Live 24 hours a day, Monday through Saturday. The Rock of Talk, AM 1600 KIVA, Albuquerque. Albuquerque's macro aggression, Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk. I'm Eddie Eric on the Rock of Talk on AM 1600, KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, 550-5500 is the number to go ahead and text and call this afternoon. You can see me on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Podcasting, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Get the app at rockoftalk.tv, rockoftalk.com, and you've got all the news for you subscribers at rockoftalk.news, and uh, pretty good stuff all set up for today, and I've got to start off with some really, really good news. We've got 66 days until 2023 and 13 days, ladies and gentlemen, until we go ahead and elect a brand new House Congress. In fact, the crystal ball from Larry Sabato has just put us at 218. I told you the number was 227 uh, with the toss-ups divided halfway. That could get us to 229, uh, but you're looking at 218 right now, at least leans, and we've got ourselves a crystal ball change. Uh, which is pretty good in District 2. So the folks in uh, Yvette Harrell's camp, the work is paying off. Larry Sabato has uh, changed it to likely Republican, leans Republican from a toss-up to leans Republican. So that's pretty good today. I'm pretty excited about that. The uh, House GOP hits 218, according to the uh, write-up. He says, a large number of races remain close and competitive, the danger for Democrats is that these races ended up breaking disproportionately to the Republicans during the midterm. So if we get, uh, I don't know, three quarters of those, but we have to also factor in some of the cheating and all the other stuff that goes on in, well, all of five states, uh, right? We've got Nevada, we've got Arizona, we've got Michigan, we've got Wisconsin, we've got Pennsylvania, and let's not forget, I guess, six, uh, Georgia. And that's going to be an important force. Toss-ups move to lean Republicans just this week. After the changes, 218 lean Republicans, while 195 at least lean Democrats. So we will get the majority come the midterms. Uh, with that comes a whole host of things. And we're going to get into that at the uh, bo- top of the third hour because the progressives now see this. They've got all the data. They're looking at the data and they're saying, you know what? We got to start World War III now. Uh, and I- I'm not even kidding. The progressives have come off and they've decided that they are leaning more into backing, arming and pushing towards Ukraine. No more diplomatic uh, salvos towards uh, Russia going forward. In fact, what they're doing is going the exact opposite of the way. And they've retracted what they put out back in June. So we'll touch upon that. So we, of course, have our questions of the day that uh, we're going to go ahead and get into uh, all the way throughout the show. It's going to be a fun show uh, this afternoon here in Akiva, we should wrap up right at seven o'clock. Hopefully I won't have to go too far over your five questions from the rock of talk two weeks before the election. Do the Dems cre- keep the Senate? That's what we're now talking about. We're going to get into all the debates from last night, a lot of them, but the main one in Pennsylvania, remember I told you I would never vote for Oz. I don't know that anybody could actually vote for Fetterman. It's really a choice of a lesser of two. I don't know what you call it. Who cares? So you'd take Oz 10 times out of 10 uh, after what you saw last night. Uh, The second, and at the bottom of the hour, we'll talk about is homelessness directly related to higher violent crime? The answer is a resounding yes. 
and we'll discuss why that is, but uh, love to get uh, your answers on that. Uh, the top of the second hour, uh, Kamala Harris was in town. We're going to get into that. And also Tim Keller, Stansberry, Lujan, the whole entourage came in for a last push for Michelle Lujan Grisham. If uh, you thought that the Trafalgar was erroneous, said Joe Monahan, you must have been wrong because they brought in the Calvary to uh, hopefully I got that right. Calvary, Calvary. Uh, <laughs> I know someone was correcting me on that yesterday. The Calvary uh, came in yesterday to go ahead and aid and abet Michelle Lujan Grisham. It was a ridiculous display of a limited amount of affection. You just didn't really see the connection between Michelle Lujan Grisham. So we'll talk about that at the beginning of hour number two for our 505 and the 505. Bottom of hour two, inflation and employment. Remember, we're going to keep this on crime and economy. That's the drum we have to beat. We're not going to discuss abortion. That's a done deal. The Democrats think it's not. They think that there's something to save. They think they're going to be able to use their strength. They're not. That's not going to happen. So we're going to talk about how they're lying about inflation and unemployment. Republicans are great against battling inflation. And I'll tell you what. Democrats, by and large, preside over a number of economic booms. They sort of come in when the getting is good, you know, Bill Clinton and the Internet boom. And we'll talk about all of that and how Republicans just perform with the economy better and better. They're the ones who heal it. Let's not forget from Carter to Reagan. Well, now we got to go from Biden to uh, back to Trump or uh, Bush. And you guys, or, excuse me, to DeSantis. And now you are going to wish there was a time. And I started thinking about this as the cycles go on and on and on. Oh, thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. Cavalry, cavalry. So Bob is correcting me yesterday. He wants me to be exact. He's, I appreciate you trying to improve uh, my show here. That's important. Uh, and then at the top of the third hour, as I mentioned before, 100% Democrats are now backing support war with Ukraine. So let's go ahead and start, start there, shall we? As we look at the uh, Senate map. And uh, I posted a pick for all of you guys for a little easter egg underneath smirconish uh, not very happy with what he is saying and saying better fetterman would be better to run next time now smirconish is actually from philadelphia we're going to get some more in his stuff we'll kick off the next segment with his stuff because he is a what moderate radical moderate who sort of leans to the left on most things and uh, they had him as a uh, analyst i believe on msnbc or cnbc uh, one of those and it's really interesting that there wasn't a single pundit that was happy on the Democrat side with, with Fetterman's performance last night. And nobody was making an excuse for his, his health except for the people on The View, of course, which nobody really watches. That's the low information voter. That's the emotional open nerve uh, of this country. And uh, Fetterman stumbled over his words in the debate with Oz. We'll get into those highlights as well. And I think we're seeing that whether it's... Um, Hobbs not wanting to debate Carrie Lake or the limited number of times that Michelle Lujan Grisham wanted to debate uh, uh, Mark Ronchetti. I think what you're seeing is just a, a, a really poor list of candidates and uh, people who occupy offices throughout this country, Michelle Lujan Grisham included in that, and just a complete and total inability to perform on stage. And what you're seeing with Oz and, you know, uh, uh, Mark Ronchetti, what you're seeing with these guys is their ability to communicate effectively in a public forum in a way that connects with people. Rather than laughing at or sort of scorning the person that's up there on stage because you just can't believe how terrible of a candidate that they are. And that's exactly where we are with so many of these Democrats. So we're going to get into that. 
Also, um, we probably need to get into what it looks like going across the gubernatorial uh, races as well. If New York can flip, if Michigan can flip, uh, you saw what's happening with Tudor Dixon up in Michigan. That is incredible. She is now in the lead, folks, by a point. That's right. Gretchen Whitmer, even with the libertarian in the race, Tudor Dixon is trailing. Uh, excuse me. Dixon is leading uh, Gretchen Whitmer by one point as of today. She's putting out all of those in Washington where uh, Kamala Harris went. You almost have a dead even race. It's actually within the margin of error for the U.S. Senate, which is pretty incredible with Smiley. So next door to us, uh, we've got Carrie Lake, who's who leads right now by four points. So now you're looking at a new governor uh, that's going to replace the old one, which is going to be more of what you have with Ducey, except this time on steroids. So we've got a much improved uh, political map that's looking pretty good. 13 days out. Don't rest on your laurels. Get out and vote. We'll talk about Fetterman and the debate last night. You're in the Kiva when we return. All right, we don't have much time for uh, music. We're just going to jump right into it because there's a lot of highlights, uh, if you will, for us. And, you know, this was the debate that they were trying to avoid and for good reason because it was a nightmare last night in uh, Pennsylvania. Not good. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, to be exact. Uh, didn't look good at all for um, Fetterman. Uh, I, I don't know what this guy is about. Um, I don't know how he got to where he got to, but you know, this is what happens when you've got, uh, you know, Tom Wolf, who literally bought the governorship for ten million dollars. This is this is what you get. You can pretty much install anybody uh, at any time. So let's get into the uh, highlights or lowlights uh, for the Republican or for the Democrats, uh, shall we? Uh, we're just going to rifle off, and we'll start right from the very beginning. It was uh, somebody starting and stumbling right out of the gates and uh, take a listen. Here, here You're is. running for a seat that could decide the balance of power in Washington. What qualifies you to be a U.S. senator? You have 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. I'm running to serve Pennsylvania. He's running to use Pennsylvania. It's sad, right? Like, isn't that just sad? You can't even get out of the first sentence, the first greeting. You can't even get the greeting right. Like, it's sad to watch Joe Biden. It's, it's sad to watch political operatives take advantage of people and say, we've got nothing else to run on, but you better not make fun of us. And here's what we're going to jam down your throats because we've got so much power. Like, this guy's nothing. He's abs- and, and now we're starting to talk about something called ableism. I had to look it up. Like, what? If if we have any concerns about his health whatsoever, we we have some sort of ableism. I mean, the guy's uh, disqualifying himself right out of the gate, and he stumbles all over himself. And just being able to speak eloquently, directly, connecting with people, keeping people's attention, and then being able to think on your feet. Right? He doesn't have that. It's really sad. You're, you're cringing. It's it's hard to watch. Now, we, we all have to make sure that everyone that works is able to, that's, that's the most American bargain, that if you work full-time, you should be able to live in dignity as well, true. And I believe they haven't have any businesses being, being uh, you can't have businesses being subsidized by not paying ind- uh, individuals that just simply can't have to, to pay their own way. Well, nobody can decipher what that is. This is the state of American politics. It's a sad commentary on everything. And the guy does about faces on issues as well. Walking back policy issues and 
you know, where they're, they're trying to figure out fracking on this whole thing. And, and this is something I believe that Dr. Oz at some, at some point was against. He was against, you know, fracking. Okay. And now they're both trying to go ahead. Well, we're in a real energy crisis. You know, the strategic oil reserve is, is going away. We need as much gas as we possibly can. Gas prices are too high. You know, it, it is really a blue collar state. Pennsylvania is. Okay. Everybody thinks about, uh, you know, Bethlehem Steel, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, just, you know, it really is sort of the beginning of the Rust Belt coming back east, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, back into Ohio. They just, just, just listen to the, the a total about phase. Now, Oz goes first. Now, you know what? We're not going to waste time on Oz because on he won. It was clear. Has... Okay, so we'll just jump right into right after Oz. So we'll, we'll, we'll hear the trail end of, uh, tail end of Oz's uh, performance, and then we'll hear an about face by a Democrat who is now for fracking. John Fetterman calls fracking a stain on Pennsylvania. He says that he would sign a moratorium to ban its continued use. He, he, he's against pipelines. He voted or supported the vote against the Keystone pipeline that ended up shutting it down. He supports Biden's desire to ban fracking on public lands, which are our lands, all of our lands together. This is a extreme position on energy. If we unleashed our energy here in Pennsylvania, it would help everybody. Why John Fetterman is so rigidly stuck on fighting against uh, energy companies is, stu is stunning to me because it's the jobs I want. Tens of thousands of high-paying jobs to help Pennsylvanians. Thank you, Mr. I, I love the bell, by the way. I, I wish that uh, our local people would employ that. I think it's just good. It's a good impact, good effect. And a townie, right, like uh, down home, you know, like, you get the bell, it's off. You know, it's not just the guy just jumping in. Uh, KOAT, can you guys employ that next time? KOB Channel 4, would you guys mind to use the bell? I, I know it feels, but it feels more real with the people. I got to say, it's a nice a little impact. Now, uh, Oz went through the um, entire litany of all the things that Fetterman's actually on the record for, and he's right. And he's capable, he's affable, he's likable. I mean, he's got a good Q factor. He's good looking, looks good in a suit. That's a senator, okay? That's, that, that's a senator right there. Fetterman, just not there visually and not there audibly and logically, as you just heard. And then on the flip side, well, here you go. Doing an about face on the issue. Oz, uh, Oz rule. Mr. Fetterman, you know, I absolutely support fracking. In fact, does he even hear himself? He's talking right over the moderator. What what's that going to be like with with the uh, the rules, uh, the Rogers rules on, on the on the floor of the Senate? Right? Ah, the screaming. No, this doesn't work. But it does work because if you didn't watch the debate and you didn't get the details, you'd be like. Well, I can't really insult him. I guess he's not that smart of a guy. Oz will probably. No, you have to see that this is what the Democrats put up. They want you to feel sorry for them or they want to have some sort of, I don't know, disability or something that will work in their favor because the issues are working in their favor. We got to stop feeling sorry for her. This is what you get when everyone gets a trophy. You get Fetterman as your senator in Pennsylvania. Mr. Yeah. Oz, uh, Oz rule. Mr. Fetterman, you know, I absolutely seconds. support fracking. In fact, I live across the street from a, the, a steel mill, and they were going to frack to create their own energy in order to make them more competitive. And I support that, living closer to anybody else in Pennsylvania for fracking to myself. I believe that we need... Fracking to yourself. What, what does that even mean? All right, I'm done with this. There's nothing else to say. Dr. Oz, congratulations, you get the win. Unless, of course... They steal the election in Pennsylvania, and there's a pretty good chance. But I can tell you, black people are looking at uh, Fetterman right now. And they're saying, uh, whoa, that's a whole lot of stupid. I don't want that guy representing us. I'm not going to vote for Oz. 
but I'm not going to turn out to vote for Fetterman. He has become somebody that everybody is talking about. And it's an embarrassment. Apparently he has a wife who's sort of putting him up to all of this, but I don't know. I guess she's the brains or the pants or whatever it is in the family. It's just a sad commentary on the current state of politics. That's about all I can say, that we that somebody had to suffer through and watch all of that. And people were absolutely stunned by it. And the, the Michael Smirkanish, who's a moderate, Okay, who's probably not going to say anything that bad overall. Here's what he had to Look, say. I think it's really tricky how we talk about this debate. Maybe he meant good evening and he said good night because it was an expressive communication issue. But at the same time, Michael, one of the things that strikes me is this was the first time where we all really got to see for ourselves how John Fetterman is doing. Right. So that's a news commentator who's just making excuses right out of the gate for John Fetterman. We have to be careful about how we talk about this. Why do we have to be careful when these politicians are not careful with the decisions that they're making or careful about the, the politicos that they're putting up? Like, we're talking about things that are threatening the very existence of this country. We're on the brink of nuclear war. We don't need idiots running the uh, asylum of 535 congressmen and senators up in in Washington, D.C. We need people who are capable, who are logical, who are thinking, who aren't worried about, you know, things like stroke, heart ailment, one of the first things that you think of. Is he able to go ahead and carry out the duties of the presidency of the United States? Is this person able to carry out the duties? His health, his health issues are real. And Smirconish addresses all of that. Right. There have been uh, moments where he's had these interviews, but they have been tightly controlled. We've seen the letter from his, I think it's his GP, who's, who's talked to his other specialists, but the letter's not from his specialists. We haven't seen the medical records. I guess my point is just, we didn't know what we were really going to get wow. until last night. Wow. And I think it was different than what some people were expecting. Thank God the Republicans it's pushed for a debate. It's difficult to discuss, you know, to even have this, I think, objective conversation is Whoa, to be accused feeling. of ableism. I don't think that's what it is. I think that had John Fetterman be more, been more forthcoming from the get-go, A, about the timing of the stroke, because there was a 48 or so hour time period, and it was the final weekend of the primary where he didn't let us know that he'd had a stroke. The underlying cardiomyopathy and the need for a defibrillator was not revealed. Wow. The medical records oh have gosh. not been produced. I mean, I could go on and on and on. He's not been transparent. He's been opaque. His answer last night was to say, well, take a look at me. Okay. All right. So I, I'll, I, I'll let you guys go ahead and grab the notes uh, on the rest of this. But I got a couple of things to say here, sort of tapering off. There was another senator that had a stroke. You know who that was? Well, you're going to hear from him in hour number two, and that is Ben Ray Lujan. In fact, that guy is the guy who was absolutely trounced in the debate by the same Mark Ronchetti. Mark Ronchetti trounced Lujan and then trounced the governor uh, as well. I think bringing these medical issues to the forefront, I think, really should alarm you and let you know that these people are not capable of performing in their jobs. Lujan should not get a second term when he's up back up in 2024. There's probably, uh, or excuse me, in 26, I believe, is because he ran in 20. And then you have in 24, you have uh, Martin Heinrich. Now, he's capable, of course, and he's sort of got that GQ-esque look. But you're looking at bringing up things that have nothing to do with the issues that are facing Pennsylvanians or issues that aren't facing America. This is just talking about just baseline ability to perform your job. Ben Ray Lujan can't do it. 
Uh, certainly Fetterman can't do it. I think it's time that you guys get your butts to the pool and throw these guys out back in three. All right. Uh, again, we've got lots of uh, video, lots of audio that I've got to share with you. So I'm not going to just jump uh, headlong into all the music, which makes the show so fun. But uh, that first opening is really all about candidate quality. And I want to speak for a moment, if, if I could, to the Republicans here. Okay. And I think that this is important. Now, uh, certain people have run continuously, not Mark Ronchetti, have run continuously. And they continue to run every single cycle, right? And they're poor candidates. And it seems like no one is speaking to these people, okay? And they show up on the ballots, and you know the names. They're there all the time, okay? And they're just looking to just catch a wave. As a qualitative candidate, they could never get elected. We used to own CD1, okay? Now, I'm going to vote for the, every Republican that there is. And everywhere there's a Democrat that's running against uh, nobody unopposed, I'm not going to check that box. And I uh, urge you all to do the same, okay? But you need to get involved in the Republican Party. I'm no longer going to be involved in the Republican Party. Okay? I don't need to. They don't want me. They pushed me out as much as they possibly can. And that's fine, okay? but I can do what I can do here from the radio station, which is, in many ways is way more powerful than anything the Republican Party can do. I literally have an impact on the elections. I've had an impact here. I've had an impact all the way through and pushing back. And when Mark Ronchetti uh, wins, I'm going to feel like I did a little something. And I know that many of you are going to feel the very same way. Now, with all that being said, you within the Republican Party, you have to find more marketable candidates. I'm never going to run again. I don't want to ever run again. And obviously, you know, with various things that have happened to me, I don't need to be putting myself in that sort of venue again. Now, if you don't improve the quality of the candidates, you're going to get more Fettermans running in the Republican Party in the state of New Mexico. Yvette Harrell is now leaning Republican in CD2. I was very concerned about that. I'm no longer concerned. That's a good thing, right? Because... She's been helped by Mark Ronchetti. That's a different side of the Republican Party, right? The Susanna Martinez part of the Republican Party, along with Jay McCluskey, if you want to consider it that, you know, that, that, that's one side. And then you have the Steve Pierce, which is Yvette Harrell's side of the party. But now you have both that are right in the lead during these midterms. You have both Mark Ronchetti and you have Yvette Harrell. Here's the thing, okay? They're putting their everything aside they're helping each other without having to actually help each other they're showing up at events both were down with desantis that is a unique thing to see no longer separated but everybody else on the ticket safer ex except for uh, jeremy gay qualitatively we don't have the horses certainly not in cd3 someone who's run umpteen times she's not going to win there's just zero chance the way the, the the whole thing is made up it just doesn't work and plus you know, I know she's trying to move more towards the middle and move away from Trump, but qualitatively, she's not capable of getting in, in into office. The same will be said for Michelle Garcia Holmes. Okay, that that's just the fact of the matter. It has all comes down to fundraising. For Yvette Harrell to get into that race, that was nearly thirty million dollars spent federally, national—I mean, nationally uh, and locally, statewide—in that race. You have Mark Ronchetti, I think, raising somewhere upwards of nine million dollars. Okay. That's what it takes. It takes that caliber of person who is going to make people part ways to say, you know what? I think they can do it. I think he can do it. 
And right now, the RGA is handing out money all over the place. Expect a big push at the end because that's where they see Mark Ronchetti. The Trafalgar poll with its accuracy, very good. I don't care how many times the liberals are going to try and knock it. You should know that it's it's not an 86 and 100, uh, Joe. Okay, Start paying attention to other things that are happening. And there are things that you can't poll anymore. And you know this. I used to work with a guy by the name of Bruce Donisthorpe. And he would come in and we'd talk about polling. And I was going to open up a polling company and we were going to kind of figure out how to. And we would, we would talk about how difficult it was to sample people between landlines and cell phones and all of these things. And that accuracy has to be up, which means you have to spend the time, which is very expensive. You have to spend the money to go ahead and call that information to get that stuff out there to prove to yourself. Just to, and, and you don't even have two candidates another CD1 or CD3 who can raise the money to generate a poll that's going to, they have to ride in on the coattails of Mark Ronchetti or Yvette Harrell. If we had good caliber candidates and if they ran a little bit closer and, and there's going to be a good showing from Michelle Garcia home, there's no doubt about it, but just for the fact that she's Republican, but qualitatively not a good candidate. Okay. The same could be said for Alexis Martinez Johnson. You could do everything that you possibly can, but you're not going to get there. Okay, the, I, I'm just leveling with you so that you know right now. So spend your time because the ground game for the apparatus that's out there right now for both Ron Ketty and Yvette Harrell, you're going to feel all this push from the Dems. You're going to see everything that happened yesterday at the University of New Mexico. Get your butts out there, start walking neighborhoods, figure out a way to make yourself useful, okay? You're not going to be engaged inside the, the campaign, but just find a way to walk your own blocks. Go knock the doors, ask how people are doing. You Republicans are friendly, okay? But next time you guys get involved in the state party, in the Bernalillo County party, there's going to be a chairman election there. I believe there's a chairman election for Bernalillo County party. Find good people. Anybody who's been previously elected, get rid of them. Get rid of them. Find new people with good energy, particularly younger people who want to do something. And take some old Democrats who, who've been there, okay? There, if there's a few Democrats that are there that are also coming over, welcome them in. Bring them in, okay? They don't want to be a part of the Democratic Party any longer. But make sure their medal is tested. 550-5500. That's 550-5500. I, I, we had the fun part, right? The ad hominem, the Fetterman the low-hanging fruit, uh, Michigan, Georgia. I mean, really, this is all about the qualitative candidate, and we have that. Just think about the Senate, and I'm going to answer that question for you right now. We will win the Senate 53-47. Based upon last night, I was not counting Dr. Oz, but that, that's now for me 53-47. Here's what it looks like, okay? Here's, here's our Trump-friendly Republican candidates that are all doing very well. Notice Donald Trump is nowhere to be seen or heard from right now, other than them just calling him out right now. That, that's all they have. Don Bolduc in New Hampshire has a real shot. I think he's within three, okay? You've got Blake Masters in Arizona. I think that he's in within two, and he's, out, he's outspent six to one. He outperformed in the debate. As I mentioned, uh, Dr. Mehmet Oz, in uh, Pennsylvania, you can count that after last night, unless, of course, there's cheating, and that's what we'll all be watching for again. We'll wait for those vote drops out of nowhere. Just drop the votes at 4 to 5, 6 in the morning. Everything's going to be close. And watch what's happened 
I've been tracking what's happening in Arizona. There's about six, six, sixty-five, seven thousand, roughly. I don't know um, voter registrations that are missing, right? or I don't know what. And that's JD Hobbs's job. It might come down to that close at the very end. JD Vance in Ohio. Okay, you have to understand that these are all good. And of course, you got Adam Laxalt. That, in my opinion, is no longer a toss-up. That is Pete Domenici's son. Pete Domenici's son is going to Washington, D.C. And folks, this is just the beginning. This isn't going to be a celebration. They've still got to push back against the executive. Think about that, which is going to be removing the head of the FBI, which is they're going to take Biden out. As you heard Bill O'Reilly last night, a lot of you guys had to be laughing. Because he's saying, well, Biden won't make it to the end of the year. I was like, where have I heard that before? Oh, yeah, I was listening to Eddie on the Rock of Talk. And he was telling us this two and a half, three months ago. Remember when I was telling you all this kind of stuff? Because we could see this stuff coming. When you've been in politics for 30 plus years, as I have, you can see how things work out. And you become almost encyclopedic. I had the good opportunity to meet somebody who was as encyclopedic as I was about politics. And on both sides. And I sat there and Marvel was like, you know what? I don't get a chance to connect with somebody on that level very often. And when I did, it was like, there's someone who just gets it, who understands it, who understands winning and losing. That's what it's all about. You do not get to go ahead and influence policy if you are not the winning party, period. For all the dreams and the red, white, and blue and wrapping yourself in the flags and the guns and the Bibles and all of these things, I think that's great. And there should be a large element of that in every person on both sides of the aisle. I think it only goes to one side of the aisle, of course, but it should be on both sides of the aisle. But instead, you've got people who's like, well, I stand on principle. I'm like, well, this isn't really going to get you the win, buddy. So you might want to go ahead and suppress this and figure out something else to market yourself on during this cycle. That's politics. Politics is sales. It's closing the deal. It's inspiring. It's directing. It's connecting. It's making things happen. And qualitatively, the Republicans just have to have better candidates. They absolutely have to have better candidates from top to bottom of the ticket. And if you can't figure out a way to get involved, Start getting involved in the school boards. You want to test your metal, make things happen. You want to make a name for yourself. That's where you start making that kind of stuff happen. You find the issue and you start teeing off on that. Casey McHale been doing a lot of that and I've been appreciating their work. Back for our last segment of the hour here in the Kiva. Turns away from it all like a blind man. 
sound of things, but I don't want Keep coming up with love, but it's so slashed and torn Yeah, that's definitely my favorite song of all time. Uh, a great story on this day back in 1981. That song was created in uh, Switzerland. Go to rockoftalk.news and uh, you can check about uh, how all of that was made. Uh, sort of by chance, they were living in the same place and Queen and David Bowie got together. Not sure who's getting the royalties uh, on that uh, Bowie passing in 2016. Uh, Freddie Mercury, of course, uh, back in uh, 1991, uh, 25 years before. But one of the great epic songs of all time, uh, to be sure. 550-500. It met with the band in Montreux, Switzerland. I hope one day to arrive there. Also on this day, we didn't get to it. uh, Back in 1936, Roy Acuff made his first recordings, including The Great Speckled Bird and uh, The Wabash Cannibal, which I include... uh, a good little song there, uh, rendition there by uh, Johnny Cash. And uh, also click on that uh, little graphic there for an Easter egg, uh, the story behind the story of that song. 550-5500 if you want to go ahead and text in. A lot of you guys texting in uh, this afternoon. You guys have 13 days to go ahead and literally save the country. It's uh, You're under pressure. Here it is. Don't break. Make it happen. And uh, show a little love for your country and keep giving it as much as you possibly can. So... Let's get to it, uh, shall we? Uh, Homelessness, right? I think um, you knew kind of where I was going with all this. And it's really nice when everything just sort of starts working out. Uh, And by that, I mean, you know, everything that you do in your show prep and and at the same time that things are happening and things that matter. And you're like, well, you got to give people facts so that they know what they're dealing with. And you're now realizing that criminal behavior, right, and homelessness are inextricably linked. Okay. Uh, not, there's not a blame here. There's a uh, partially uh, symptomatic uh, issues in all this. 20% of Seattle shootings occur near homeless encampments. Seattle, Chinatown International District are districts in King County, which includes with the most homelessness. Okay. 20% of all shootings. I'd like the same type of study done here in the city of Albuquerque. Will we get that? Now, one Seattle, remember Seattle's dying. I played that for you three, four years ago. Out of 573 reports of shootings and shots fired, 101 reports were in connection to homelessness, which represents 18% of total cases being near encampments throughout Seattle. Now, we had one that actually occurred on an encampment within the encampment itself, and then they shut down Coronado, and, you know, homelessness has now spread from 2,000 to 5,000, according to uh, one Mr. Chavez, who's a freaking contributor at uh, rockoftalk.news. The Office of Mayor Bruce Harrell, the Democrat, says the 100-plus shooting average Roughly three shots fired per week in connection to homeless camps. Seattle and Chinatown are two districts in that county. Early in October, Seattle announced an emergency operations center via what that was up and running, excuse me. It's located in the heart of the Chinatown district where tents are visibly prominent. Having recently gone to Washington, D.C., tent city is everywhere. Mark Doan, CEO of the Authority, said the command center has already identified 300 units of available housing to date and has engaged with over 650 people in need. Not enough to house the people that are there. I should also tell you, uh, I, I'm going to take a slight digression here because I wanted to get this out to you. If you haven't heard yet, this is what happened in Waukesha, 
Wisconsin. The verdict was reached in the Waukesha, Wisconsin Christmas um, uh, event. Uh, I don't know, massacre that killed six people, wounding four as uh, this man, Daryl Brooks, ran over. Uh, here's the verdict being read. Did the jury find the defendant, Daryl E. Brooks, guilty of first-degree intentional homicide? As We will not do that. He represented himself. Did the jury find the defendant, Daryl E. Brooks, find the defendant, Daryl E. Brooks, guilty of first-degree recklessly endangering safety as charged in count for defendant. Darryl so there is a little bit of justice uh, that, that has happened. Um, sadly, uh, and unfortunately, he represented himself. Now, I told you, if New York is flipping, which it seems like it might be, I can't even believe we're saying this, New York, New York. Your ex-Republican gubernatorial hopeful Lee Zeldin wrangled with incumbent Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul in primetime debate over rising crime and ongoing surge of violence, plaguing the state's citizens. Zeldin opened the debate by declaring New York was, quote-unquote, in a crisis because of Hochul's leadership and blasted policies like cashless bail and soft-on-crime approaches. Sadly, we don't have that discussion here more often. I tried to have it uh, last year. Remember, Republican mayors did better than Democrat mayors. I gave that information to you. We need to make our streets safe again, he says. I'm ready to take back our streets and to support unapologetically our men and women and law enforcement. Anyone who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important to you, wrangled Hochul back to him. Well, I think it's important. Let's uh, hear the exchange, shall we? They had the exchange uh, last night in their debate, and Lee Zeldin has a real chance, folks. And uh, I know that many of you are sort of surprised at that, but a lot of you guys are probably surprised with what's going on with Mark Ronchetti. It's because we focused on two issues, crime and the economy. That's basically it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and skip that and give you that because uh, I got to get, I got a lot to get to uh, today and we can't miss any of that. So um, the, the question is homelessness directly related to higher, higher violent crime. Yes, every time. It's unbelievable. Nearly 1,200 days since L.A. declared a state of emergency. A state of emergency on homelessness. And you know the rampant crime that's currently happening right now in Los Angeles. Take a listen. My plan is clearly to call the state of emergency, take the authority in the mayor's office. We take roughly a 130 uh, three people out of homelessness every day in the county of Los Angeles and 150 come in. It is time to declare a state of emergency and all that that entails. I'm not a commitment to solve the problem. She's been in, in office since 2004. We have five people a day in Skid Row alone dying. We Here have to act quickly. A state of emergency the right to housing. And I wish the state would declare a state of emergency. It is, a, I believe, a social emergency. Cannot be, in my view, overstated. Let's just be candid. State of California has been nowhere to be found on the damn issue of homelessness. It's happened on yeah, our watch over the last decade in particular. It's really gotten bad in the last decade. And we were just slow to respond. We had- it is time to declare a state of emergency and all that that entails. So homelessness has gotten worse. 71,000 people on the streets of Los Angeles. They've gone to 59,000. To 71,000. There are encampments everywhere. And they're enabling and emboldening homelessness. And there is such an incredible crime surge. And I'm just going to give you the quick 
abstract from Psychiatry Online, which I was able to basically uh, find the method results and their final conclusions. And I'll read it uh, verbatim. Rates of criminal behavior, contacts with the criminal justice system, and victimization among homeless adults with severe mental illnesses are higher than among housed adults with severe mental illness. Homelessness is a significant social, economic, and health issue in North America. Several estimates indicate between 20 to 50% of homeless adults who also have severe mental illness, which in turn is associated with adverse outcomes in housing, involvement in criminal justice system, that's the big one, substance abuse, and morbidities. In North America, media coverage of violent incidents frequently depicts homelessness individuals with severe mental illness as either victims or perpetrators of the crime. These events continually bring public attention to the complex interplay between homelessness, severe mental illness, violence, criminal justice, and victimization. And all of the uh, numbers are all right there, and they're pretty bad. The numbers um, are, are jaw-dropping. Uh, the results of this, out of 1,438 citations, abstracts and read in 1,377 various studies in all of this, okay? 3,705 participants were female, 7,000, 6,999 were male, with a mean age of roughly 38 years of age. Three stories reported outcomes for these participants, 67% of a total uh, example. In the housing homeless and individuals with severe mental illness, they have rates of 57%, uh, excuse me, lifetime arrest rates of 62.9% and 90%. Two studies reported 12-month arrest rates of somewhere, somewhere between 12.8% in a sample of 39 individuals. We'll pick it up there after the top of the hour. I'll read off the rest of the statistics to you because they are staggering. Back after a quick break after the top of the hour news. 505 and the 505 up next. Live 24 hours a day, Monday through Saturday. The Rock of Talk, AM 1600 KIVA, Albuquerque. Albuquerque's macro aggression, Eddie Aragon. The Rock of Talk. I am Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk. I'm the ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. Hour two coming at you from the ABQ. Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, podcasting, Stitcher SoundCloud, and Spotify. And Audible, if you'd like, uh, get an Audible account, uh, read more with your ears. And uh, apping at rockoftalk.tv, rockoftalk.com. And you have all the uh, show prep. So if I don't get to it all, uh, it's all there for you ahead of time at rockoftalk.news. Uh, Go ahead and uh, sign up. You get a seven-day free trial. You're good to go and we're going to hang out in there. It's a lot of fun. I've literally got it exactly where I want it so that you guys can follow along with me, you know, like picture pages. I, I grew up on picture pages, right, with Bill Cosby, you know, Captain Kangaroo and all that kind of stuff. And I used to love to follow along, you know, with the TV. My dad would take me to the library when we lived uh, across the street from Ashley Pond in Los Alamos. Uh, my dad did so much work up there, proud of everything he did, uh, which was pretty awesome right you, know, you grow up with a dad and he's always in your life and then he takes you to go get your picture pages at the library and in addition to everything else so i happened i had fun with that three two one content all the pbs stuff right but i've been incorporating some of those pieces back in we heard yesterday from npr even npr singing trump's praises without actually singing his praises we're going to get into this vice president who who made uh her visit here uh, to Albuquerque yesterday for a brief time. She was on the ground for all of about three hours and 45 minutes, uh, did two events, uh, got a standing O up at the University of Mexico. Surprise, surprise. All right, so uh, back to the psychiatry online. Well, if you're just picking it up here in the uh, second hour, just joining us, 
I want to kind of recap the first two things that we, the two questions that we answered. Two weeks before the election, do you think the Dems keep the Senate? No, they don't. They lose the Senate, okay? They lose the Senate to the Republicans at 53-47, especially after Mehmet Oz last night destroyed Fetterman or Fetterman destroyed themselves or the Democrats destroyed themselves. Tom, I mean, these guys are ridiculous. And second, is homelessness directly related to higher violent crime? Absolutely. They're like uh, peanut butter and chocolate, folks. All right, so this is, you should know that this study, I didn't qualify this, is out of Birmingham, England, or the, it's a significantly higher these numbers are in the UK, not as high, but it's significantly higher here in the United States. In fact, when Seattle is dying in the first 15 minutes, there's a piece right there in it that says 100% of the people that are homeless have been incarcerated at some point in their life. 100%. Okay. So here's the lifetime arrest rates. I'm going to get through this so you can listen carefully. Range between 62.9 and 90% homelessness. Okay, this isn't causal, this is symptomatic, but again, they go hand in hand. The big takeaway, the headline is for you to know that 20%, 20% in Seattle shootings occur near homeless encampments, okay? We need the same study that's done here. Tim Keller has failed to take care of homelessness here in the city of Albuquerque. It's expanded. He's failed to get us to 1,200 police officers. We're currently at 843 police officers. Okay, we don't have those police officers. You reelected him, folks. That's that's who you wanted. And the sheriff's not much better over there. Sheriff Manny Gonzalez, that, that's what you got. Now, here's the, here's the write-up. Two studies reported 12-month arrest rates, 12.8% in the sample of 39 individuals recruited from specialist psychiatric service for people with severe mental illness who are homeless in Birmingham, UK. 52% in a sample of 144 with severe mental illness recruited from a variety of locations. Variety of locations. Okay? Arrest, 52%. Every other person out there, it's got to be higher on the streets of Albuquerque, but we just turn them back out. You want to talk about the empty jails and the full uh, homeless camps? Well, put these people in jail. Let them sleep it off over at a jail. I, I, I recently went to jail. I saw what it's like. I, I slept on the concrete. I see what the, I can do that. What, what, you, can't, you can't house these people in those empty jails that Michelle Lujan Grisham turned out all these people? That's ridiculous. One study reported 27-month rate, arrest rate of 35.4%. One in three over a period of two years, three months. It should be noted that the study reporting a 12.8% arrest rate over one year was the only study conducted outside the United States. Large study of 7,222 homeless individuals participating in the access program yielded two-month change rates of 2.7% for major crimes, 10.9% for minor crimes. So these are the programs that assist them in getting better. They had negligible impact. Very limited impact. 2.7% for major crime. Once a criminal, pretty much always a criminal, right? 10% for minor crimes. Well, you know, they were teetering. They had to do it, had to rob, had to do this to go ahead and, I don't know, put food on the table, whatever people use, okay? 2.1% for substance-related crimes. You don't get better from substance abuse, trust me, unless you want to get better. One study reported a 12-month summons case of 41%. Significant correlation of arrest included all types of previous contact with the criminal justice system. High perceived need for medical services, right? Getting hurt. I mean, who knows what's happening? Excuse me. 
high intensity of mental health service use, young age, diagnosis of contact, a conduct disorder before the age of 15. Many of these people start early. And African-American race ethnicity. Lifetime conviction rates. This is all there at rockoftalk.news in today's Daily Five. Lifetime conviction rates range between 28 to 80%. One study reported a 12-month conviction rate of one-third among homeless persons with schizophrenia and substance abuse. Significant correlations of conviction included high-intensity mental health service use, high severity of substance use, and protracted homelessness. You cannot expect the psychiatric wards to take care of these people. Lifetime incarceration rates. Here's the big one. This is huge. In every study group, between 48% at the low end to 67%. Three studies reported 12-month incarceration rates from 26 to 33% over a year. It's nearly a quarter to a third. Significant correlation of incarceration included male, gender, young, age, African-American, previous contact with the criminal justice system, greater severity of psychiatric symptoms, all institution, all contact with institutions, higher level substance abuse, and co-occurring mental and substance use disorders. What's the uh, predominating factor here? Drugs. Period. It is substance abuse all the way through. Actuating an, uh, a, a problem that is already happening with these people mentally, either through depression, schizophrenia, who knows what they have. But that drug sends them off into a different direction, right? So you want to go ahead and legalize it with marijuana. You want to go ahead and let all the fentanyl in. Keep voting Democrat and keep having the same exact numbers. They're not going to do that. Not in New York. Folks, we've got a, a breakthrough that's happening right now. It's on crime. And Zeldin's going to win in New York. Or he's got a good chance. First date. Thank you. You're willing to suspend laws. How do we know you won't do it then? I don't trust this. Thank Women you. don't trust this. Okay, if uh, I can, candidates, if I respond to that. it is, uh, real briefly, please. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I stated that the first day that I'm in office, I'm going to declare a crime emergency and suspend Castle's bail and these other pro-criminal laws because there is a crime emergency. My opponent thinks that right now there's a polio emergency going on, but there's not a crime emergency. Different priorities that I'm hearing from people right now, they're not being represented from this, this governor, who still, to this moment, we're at, what are we, halfway through the debate? She still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. There you go. You got to lock them up. But are you really locking them up? Why don't we just treat this as, as what it could be? Taking care of the homeless overnight, right? You get a sack lunch, you get a little apple juice, you get something that you, you're not going to eat it. I mean, I, I didn't. But I'm going to tell you, at least they'll have a roof over their heads. They have no access to any sort of drugs whatsoever. And maybe they can go ahead and wash out for the evening until the next morning or whenever they decide to go get picked up. We've got to start picking this up. So the question is absolutely. They're correlated with each other. Back into here in the Kiva. Face to the wall. If she's gone, I can't go on. Feeling to foot small. Everywhere people stare, each and every day, I can see them laugh at me, and I hear them say, Hey, you've got to hide your love away. Hey, you've got to hide your love away. All right. Uh, 65, Queen Elizabeth at Buckingham Palace made the Beatles 
members of the British Empire. That's your five o'clock uh, artist uh, all hour long. Uh, yesterday topped the singles charts uh, this week on this day, while the soundtrack to their film Help occupied the number one album spot uh, back in 1965. All right, so Kamala Harris was here. Yes, she was. She was visiting Michelle Lujan Gershom. They brought in the Tyler Cavalry. Thank you. You got that right. Okay. Well, don't worry. I'll get to your text. I'll read everything that that's out. I know you guys are firing away here this afternoon, but uh, everybody was there. Uh, first, let's go to uh, Tim Keller himself, who had to go ahead and uh, welcome in uh, none other than Kamala Harris. Uh, let's take a listen, and you can watch directly at uh, rockoftalk.tv. You're with us today. This is a tremendous honor for our city, and I know for each of us. But we're also here today to make clear that this city and this state and the Biden-Harris administration will hold the line against this assault on reproductive rights. Oh. Wins wow. freedom in our country. This is the Catholic folks. That is Tim Keller, graduate of St. Pius the Tenth High School, you know, graduate of Notre Dame. We know that women's rights are fundamentally civil rights; that they are human rights, and that we walk the walk in this city. That's right. In this city, we do not stand between women and their doctors. We stand with them. Mm. Okay. Yeah. We saw that ruling come down and Albuquerque doubled down and we got city funding with council's help directly to Planned Parenthood. Oh, there you go. Your city money there. He's taking credit for it and he couldn't be happier about it. I wonder, I wonder why Tim Keller's pro-choice. Hmm. Inquiring minds want to know. Uh, who else was uh, in attendance? Uh, well, there she is. Lonely girl. In the United States Senate so that we can codify Roe versus Wade. Wow. It was an abortion rally at the University of New Mexico. Don't they, don't, as you all well know, are, and as we're Aren't all we losing to... students at the University of New Mexico? I believe we are, right? It, you might want to go ahead and uh, have people be fruitful and multiple, like, uh, multiply like the uh, Bible says, right? Oh, remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. She didn't, put, she didn't swear on a Bible, did she? When she took her oath for office up in Washington, D.C. Do you guys know about that? Boy, little hidden gems right here. Let's see. Why is Tim Keller pro-choice? Why did Melanie Stansberry not put her hand on a Bible, right? You know, these are all, you know, people who come from good backgrounds, good family backgrounds. In fact, she wanted to go back to Washington, D.C. because her parents live in Washington, D.C. And when you're a lonely girl, you need your parents. Discuss today. The Biden-Harris administration has had your backs. They have worked tire tirelessly since this spring, since we knew the Supreme Court was threatening to take away our basic rights. To now, they, he, she just committed to the fact that they decided to go ahead and free up tuition because we had your backs, the young people, you know, reproductive rights. Call it what you want, but it's reproductive rights. It's not abortion. They don't even say abortion. I don't. For the entirety of this whole entire thing, <laughs> sorry for the redundancy there, for the entirety of this, these speeches, nobody uses the word, not once, abortion. Shore up and do everything they could on the executive side to protect your rights. The Department of Justice, the Department of Health and Human Services, even our VA has taken action to ensure that every individual who needs access to reproductive care is able to get it. It's reproductive care and Roe v. Wade. You have to understand. Well, uh, here's a man who will never have to worry about reproductive care. He was also part of the cavalry uh, that was there. Uh, 
a stroke man himself. Uh, there is Ben Ray Lujan. Our governor and our friend, Michelle Lujan Grisham. Your cousin and your buddy, or not officially. Look, there's a lot going on as that was kind of a very laid out. That was a long pause in every corner. That was a, that was like a fetter, fet, 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 Fetterman pause, right? That was a str- 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 I'm, you know, I used to study as a kid, uh, stutter, stutter as a kid. So my name is, you know, I used to do that when I was a kid, right? People made fun of me all the time. Okay, he is he he should not be senator, but but he is. There it is, and I'm not making fun of him, am I? After after all, they're they're all celebrating life, right? You know, we we should be go easy on Mijo, our little Hito over there. There he is. Of our so country cute. in cute. New Mexico, and in the halls of Congress. As the representative said, I was also very proud to work on an initiative in the United States Senate with our chairwoman Patty Murray to so, soon to be ousted. Patty Murray, listen to the long pauses. Push back against extreme Republican efforts extreme. to rob people of their bodily autonomy. Okay, bodily autonomy. There it is. There they go. Bodily autonomy, Roe versus Wade, reproductive rights. Uh, what, what? I forget what Tim Keller said again. He said, what did he say? You know, in Albuquerque, we know that women's rights are fundamentally. Women's rights. That's right. Uh, but uh, you, his, uh, you know. Anyway, I'm I'm not even I don't have to say anything else. You you know where I'm going with all this stuff. All right. So uh, as they do, oftentimes they have these long pauses, not just in their speeches because they can't get it out. They also have long pauses, and they made these students wait around for 24 minutes. That's right. I mean, nobody was well. Just take your sweet time, Kamala Harris, and uh, in the back they're probably trying the local flavor. Right after all, Kamala Harris. Inhale, I hear you guys got great THC here in New Mexico. Oh, that's good, man. Hey, you got to try it. It's legal now. You could do it. I'll bet you they, you know, took a quick hit before they head out on stage. You know, take the edge off, take the nerves off, uh, so to speak, right? You know, that's probably what they did. Uh, let's uh, let, let's hear from the young lady, the governess herself. There she is, ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Hunger. Individuals uh, from, from COVID, Dr. Mike Richards. I haven't heard Mike Richards, but let's give him a hand. He's a doctor. Anyway. So uh, it's a little bit late for a good afternoon, but in fact, good afternoon. Uh, You all are remarkable in this conversation today. In one of her last public speeches as governor, uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham is at the University of New Mexico. What's she talking about? Abortion. Intended in large part to not only shore up what we're already doing in New Mexico, but by making clear that we're going to need federal partners to make sure that we can continue to, to protect women and their health and their families and to make no mistake to make it really clear that particularly our independent academic institutions continue to support choice, abortion, Abortion oh, care. Oh, oh, there we go. Oh, we got it out. 46 minutes and we finally got the word abortion out. There we go. Thank you. Thank you for saying exactly what it is. You're aborting life, Michelle Lujan Grisham. Good Catholic, graduate of the St. Michael's Horseman. Uh, good Catholic, uh, Tim Keller. We have a family woman, uh, Melanie Stansberry, and Ben Ray Luan, who grew up, you know, saying his, uh, his rosary, praying his rosary up north, right? In Chimayo, up there. Right up there in Neonambe. 
having a good time with all his friends and everything. And he's good Catholics. And now they're just advocating for pro-choice everywhere. And they're running on this. It's disgusting. So uh, what do you want to talk to the vice president about? Why is she here? Was it because of the polls? No, this was already pre-planned. They had to get her out here. They knew that they, they're in full panic mode. When you have the mayor, the CD1 rep, the Senate, the governor, and everybody all at one place, and everybody fully vetted. Nobody could get in. They knew every person's social security number. They knew every person's ID that walked into that room. Because this is the best part of this conversation. This is it. Um, the best part. Not lost here it is. Anyone here, Madam Vice President, this is a critical moment in our nation's history and in the lives of women and their families. And you've been such an When you're aborting team. babies, uh, by the way, that's not a family. Would you talk to us a little bit about Please. how, frankly, that comes so naturally to you and the important impact you're having across the country? Yes, and I just want to first thank you, Governor. Um, I have known your governor for years. Yeah. I have seen her oh. when the cameras are on and when the cameras are off. Oh, yeah, you do. And she is always fighting for the people of New Mexico. Yeah, and uh, 420. Always. 420 all day, baby. Always. An extraordinary leader. So it is my honor and joy to be on the stage with you. Dr. Espy, thank you for your work and all, all right, let's fast forward these this. issues. Probably since I could walk and talk. And I'll tell you what stage of my life I, I remember my mother sometimes in battle and becoming so upset about the need to fight for the dignity of women in the healthcare system there we go we let it out the most important part of the conversation ladies and gentlemen that's what the vice president came to talk about so in case you thought, think you missed anything the front page of the albuquerque journal 4713 the vice president's here in town what what to to, to deal with the fires up north or to deal with the Unbelievable fentanyl epidemic? No, no. To deal with a campaign issue for Michelle Lujan Grisham that she's going to lose because... Gonna lose that girl. Yes, yes, she gonna lose that girl. You're gonna lose, yes, yes, she's gonna that, lose girl. that girl. If you don't take her out tonight, she's gonna change she's her mind. She's gonna change her mind. And I will take her out tonight and I will treat her kind. Yeah, that was a uh, good good album, Help, there by the Beatles, number one on this day back in 65. I'll get into uh, more. What, it, it, they, they sort of, you know, went against uh, the grain, if you will, of what was uh, being put out at that time. They, they, they changed the mood of everything one way and then changed it the other. They were always uh, countercultural at the very same time. They were the most popular. Uh, ben Ray Lujan doesn't have to worry about singing that song, and uh, they should take out one of the words for Michelle Lujan Grisham. You're going to lose, girl. Uh, not, not that girl. You're going to lose, girl. And it is coming in 13 days because you're going to show up to the polls. You're going to get everybody motivated, excited, and you are going to get Mark Ronchetti elected, no doubt about it. Uh, the shift in CD2, in case uh, you missed, uh, missed, unless you missed uh, CD1, uh, excuse me, our number one, and Yvette Harrell in uh, Larry Sabato's crystal ball now leaning Republican in CD2. So congratulations uh, on that uh, little change, but you've got to put the work behind that only makes the Democrats uh, work harder. Uh, trust me on this. And they, they tried to get motivated. I don't think it was a very big pop uh, for the vice president yesterday who came in to talk about, uh, according to KOB Channel 4, a wide variety of topics. I don't know about you. I heard one topic and that was it. Women's reproductive rights, abortion, uh, we could say some other things, uh, but they're all kind of, you know, unsavory, right? Uh, we, we don't need to 
kind of just, we're beating them on the two issues that really matter, the economy and crime. And they go hand in hand. And I wanted to talk here for a moment about how we have completely and totally dominated this conversation. My body, my choice now belongs to the Republicans. According to NPR, it's now the abortion rallying cry has become the vaccine, anti-vaccine rallying cry. That's big news. My body, my choice. As the anti-vaccine contingent has notched successes, the abortion rights movement has taken hit after hit, culminating July, June 24th Supreme Court decision that ended the federal constitutional right to abortion. Oh, you've got to go to the states now to make it happen. So why bring in Kamala Harris? The ruling leaves it up to the states to decide and up to 26 states are expected to ban or limit abortion in the coming months. What do you want? My body, my choice, and let's talk about vaccine. Anti-vaccination groups have laid claim to my body, my choice. It's a really savvy co-opt of reproductive rights in the movement's framing of the issue, says Lisa Ikamoto, law professor at the University of California, Davis. Linda Lake, a Democratic strategist and pollster based in D.C., said, my body, my choice is no longer polling well with Democrats because they associate it with anti-vaccination sentiment. Independence. I believe I heard that. Is that not what Michelle Lujan Grisham was just talking about? I think she said independence, right? My body, my choice. She was trying to say it, but none of them said that, did they? She said the movement was already gravitating away from the phrase, even where abortion is legal. She said some women can't choose to get one because of financial or other barriers. Uh, no, they're free. Go ahead. You know, here in New Mexico, they pass them out like hotcakes. I don't know what that means. The movement is now focusing more heavily on access to health care using catchphrases like bans off our bodies. I've never even heard of that. Or say abortion, Hicks said. Vaccination hasn't always been this political. Well, we can go into all the measles and the outbreak in Disney and all that kind of stuff. But what we really want to talk about is uh, Dr. Fauci, because the, the, remember, my body, my choice does not apply when it comes to this. Why? Because they are going to make you get a vaccination. Isn't that right? Oh, and the poor victim, Fauci, 82 years old now. The center of what is a concerted campaign to target you as somehow responsible for COVID or federal government overreach or just the face of the looming destruction of America. Why do you think this has happened? Well, I think it's pretty obvious, Alex, it's purely politically motivated. They're running on that. They're raising campaign money. They pick out a boogeyman. Uh, who they feel represents the antithesis of what they want. And if you look at what I've been doing, focusing like a laser for almost now three years, is to protect the health and the safety of the American wow. public by getting people vaccinated, by having them practice good public us. health practices. Public they construe health. that as somehow or other being an encroachment upon their freedom when we know things like vaccines have already saved millions of lives. And yet when you talk about getting vaccinated and encouraging people to get vaccinated, or when you have a very high level of virus in the community. All right, let's stop there, dumbass. This is bad. What did he just say? Listen to this. He just said something that I'm going to prove to be untrue immediately by the government agency that he works with. What did he say? And yet when you talk about getting vaccinated and encouraging people to get vaccinated or when you have a very high level of virus in the community 
to encourage people to wear masks, which are well known. No, to they, protect they're not well known. Missed out on that, too. Dumbass. Let's go again one more time, shall we? I think you need to go ahead and tell us what you were intending to do. Then practice good public health. Okay. Is good public health killing people? Here's the proof, folks. Read them and weep, because the CDC says it verbatim. It said, I want to go into some other stuff, too, because remember how we were told that, you know, the idea that vaccines are causing myocarditis and all that stuff, that it was just a big conspiracy theory. And you're all, you know, it's all just total fake news and they're just lying to you. Well, the CDC is now admitting that it's actually real and they, they lied to you. So uh, I'm going to go into that and a few other things, folks. Folks, that's directly from rockoftalk.news. It's an hour and a half. And this is no longer a conspiracy theory. Government is creating a luciferase marked to track vaccinations throughout the country. And the CDC is also admitting at the very same time myocarditis risk as a result of what you're just hearing from Dr. Fauci, who's the victim somehow, when you have people who are coming out and they're not figuring out what's going on with their children. And you're trying to mandate that type of thing in schools across the country. They're voting 15 to nothing last week to make that happen. Practices, they construe that as somehow or other being an encroachment upon their freedom when we know things like vaccines have already saved millions of lives. And yet when you talk about getting vaccinated and encouraging people to get vaccinated, or when you have a very high level of virus in the community to encourage people to wear masks, which are well known to protect you from getting infected, they make that a political issue. So I, you know, nobody likes to see that kind of thing said about you, but I don't pay hardly any attention to that. And oh, I just okay. focus right. on my job, which is to make sure we ensure the health of the American public. If they want to play political games that almost become ludicrous. Okay. So obviously he's no longer dealing in healthcare. He's just playing defense the entire time. The VAERS database to so the myocarditis risks. I mean, this is of uh, epidemic proportions. If you had a mass casualty event, that had more than 8,000 people who died, right? That would be a sick, that's three nine That's essentially happened. And they're mandating this. And we all know that it takes how long to develop a vaccine? Five years, okay? It's dumbassery top to bottom. And defending it is even worse. When you're double downing on all this, as Michelle Lujan Grisham did last week, and she went and got her booster and she wasn't feeling that well, okay? These are all the, and you know that you don't need it. You know that the people, when the data came out, we're not talking about the vaccine. We're talking about the data that came out that you were actually less susceptible to getting any variant of the COVID if you what? Did not take any vaccine, did not have any booster shot. These people are sort of hobbling into this argument and it's indefensible regardless of how many times that you put Dr. Fauci and his experts up there. Dr. Rochelle Walensky just this week contracted COVID for the third time. She's fully vaxxed and fully boosted. Who's getting COVID? Understand that. Know it. This is bad. My body, my choice, for all of you who don't take COVID, that's fine. After five years, if they've actually developed something that goes against COVID, be my guest. Go take the shot, okay? 
because that's about how long it takes to develop, to actually capture 30 to 40,000 parts. As we have been covering this ad nauseum for the last two years, we know all about it, and yet they're still here denying this. If the Democrats would have said, hey, you know what? We messed up. We didn't get this right. And we apologize. We should wait to go ahead and, and take a cautious approach. They would have been seen as responsible. They would have absolutely been seen as responsible. There's no doubt about it. None of this stuff is conspiracy. It's there. It's proven. Click that link. Watch that for the hour and a half. I'm going to go ahead and play that over the weekend at some point. I got to find an hour and a half to play that for my friend Joshua Phillips at Epic Times. He's doing amazing work. Absolutely amazing work. Epic Times, I go every single day. I probably pull six or seven different articles a week from there. I probably read 20 articles from Epic Times. I watch a movie or two, and they have all sorts of cultural things and everything else that's on there. When I'm back here in three minutes, I'm going to read your text, uh, everything, and your reactions from the first couple hours uh, here in the Kiva on AM 600 KIVABQ.FM. Yesterday, all my troubles seemed so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday, suddenly. It's a Beatles I'm hour here in the Kiva. Back in 65, number one all over the place. And even got uh, had a little piece of the action there with the Queen of England, uh, if you will. Uh, happy birthday, speaking of yesterday. Uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton has uh, celebrated 75 years of yesterdays. Uh, as of today, happy 75th birthday. Uh, for one, Hillary Rodham Clinton, and uh, there's a nice picture there, an actual picture, not all caked up, baked up, made up uh, uh, for the cameras, as she often uh, times is. Uh, had a nice little clip there yesterday with her just, you know, shaking her fist. The, 20, the 2024 election's already stolen. My gosh. Give it up, lady. Give it up. Um, <laughs> other things happening in 1947. Uh, Roswell UFO incident. Yeah, that happened. Uh, um, same year, uh, uh, U.S. Secretary, the Marshall Plan came out the same year Mich <laughs> Hillary Clinton was born. Uh, the United Nation votes in favor of the creation of the independent Jewish state of Israel. Hillary Clinton is as old as Israel. Jackie Robinson took to the field for the Brooklyn Dodgers, becoming the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. As you all know, he died at the age of uh, 51, just a few days on the same day as Rosa Parks. Uh, let's see, what else we got? Chuck Yeager. Yeah, becomes the first person to break the sound barrier. <laughs> this, these are all things that are, you know, just as old as the former first lady. Or she could have not been the first lady, but she just shows a hang in there for the good of the country, right? Because there was a devil in the blue dress and he chased her out. There's some things you probably don't know about Hillary Clinton. And we're going to get into uh, topics four and five in the third hour in addition to all the news. It's going to be a, a, a racy third hour. I'm going to go fast and furious. Uh, also, happy birthday to... Pat Sajak, he's a year older than Hillary, uh, 76. Dylan McDermott, uh, you might know him from, well, not very much. Uh, I don't know what he was in, but I found out that he was in Hamburger Hill. There's a complete list of all the films that Dylan McDermott was in. If you click on the link right there, and you'll see that most of the films that he was in were pretty terrible. You'll instantly recognize him as a handsome man and uh, place uh, as American Horror Story is the only thing that I kind of, uh, remember him from, I don't remember him from Hamburger Hill, 61 years of age today. So again, and also writer, pro producer, Seth MacFarlane, uh, funniest uh, movie, I think, 
I've seen in the last 10 years uh, is Ted. It's the little furry teddy bear <laughs> with Mark Wahlberg. Uh, so that's it. All right. So speaking of embarrassing things and, and including a vulgar little teddy bear named Ted, um, here are all the embarrassing things that uh, one Hillary Clinton has been a part of in her 75 years. I think we should celebrate. I mean, when you think of probably one of the most well-known entities of all time, certainly the most uh, well-known female politician of all time, Hillary Clinton. I mean, for I don't know what happened to, to JFK Jr. All I know is that suddenly he was in the air and she was senator. Stuff happens. Weird things happen around this woman. I, I don't know. She, she goes back to Washington, D.C. Get, these people can't stay out of DC. They, what is it that draws them there? There's the bizarre tunnels and the, you know, the connecting all the various restaurants in their back end, or the underground, yeah, you know, L'Enfant, the design in DC. What, what is it that draws these people there? I, I don't know. It's, an, it's a weird energy to be sure. She asked millennials to explain student debt with emojis. Uh, yeah. Uh, how does your student loan debt make you feel? Tell us in three emojis or less. <laughs> What was she trying to do? How does your student loan debt make you feel? Tell us in three emojis or less. What, what do you want to do? Sad, sad, and more sad? Uh, well, it's all... Joe Biden took care of that for you, Hillary. Don't worry. I mean, if Joe Biden won and you lost to Trump, what does it say about you? That's like, I just don't see how that even happened. Right? What is a woman? Maybe that's what it was. She actually uh, tweeted about uh, Anal. I'll just say it that way. I can't say it the other way. Anal. Pronunciation does count when it comes to the FCC. Probably the most unfortunate dot, dot, dot in any political retweet ever. Uh, guilty as charged. She puts in a slice of pizza. Hillary Clinton's campaign is powered by pizza and an all. Yeah, there it is, folks. And in front of the link, she wrote guilty as charged. Wow. Hillary Clinton attended... Donald Trump's wedding. Yes, she went to uh, the, the wedding of uh, his third wife, him and Melania. Yeah, yeah they were BFFs uh, back in the day. Yeah, Donald was the Democrat back in the day. Uh, Given a little bit of money here, a little bit of money there. They didn't complain about him then. She bragged about fighting children and families. That's right. She, uh, only one word was missing <laughs> for, right? No, she, uh, she fought against children and families because she forgot to insert the word for, right? Kovefe. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, she hasn't driven a car since 1996, folks. That's right. This is uh, all true. First Lady of the United States has uh, had a driver ever since. Even now. Uh, sometimes she's she has a driver that's driving her walker. Uh, she got burned by a barista. In fact, the barista that served her coffee at Avalon International Breads made her take the picture down because she was such a Bernie bro. There you go. She also uh, said she's just like your abuela. Oh, that's got to be embarrassing. <laughs> Can you imagine her? Like it, the things coming out of her head, a Spanish word. That would not be good. She compared her potential presidency to a Beyonce performance. That's right. I want to be as good a president as Beyonce is a performer. <laughs> Trying to get some of that cool factor. Uh, she took a bathroom break during one of the Democratic primary debates. That, that she literally scooted out. Got to go. Got to go to the little lady's room. Um, or... Now it would just be the unisex room, right, Hillary? Uh, she selectively uh, has a Southern accent. I don't feel no enough tired, right? Didn't she say? Like, how does somebody from where she's from have a Southern accent? She's born in Illinois, folks. That's right. Uh, she learned to whip Nene and Dab. This is probably the most embarrassing thing. I started to, like, 
watching this and I'm like, she's there with Ellen Degenerate. Um, yep, folks, uh, there she is, uh, Nene and Dabbing uh, there on stage uh, with, um, I, I, should I subject you to this? I'll save it for you. That, that I was going to let you guys sit there and, and, and listen to all this, but I think we'll skip. Vine used to be around. But apparently it's not any longer. That's where I found that. On four, she joked about wiping email server with a cloth. What do I wipe it? With a cloth? Remember that in her testimony? That was, uh, she also claimed to be dead broke when she left the White House. Uh, she offended stay-at-home moms. How did she do that? We all say things we don't mean, neglect to use the best wording, but Hillary really messed up and offended stay-at-home moms when she made a comment in 1992 that went like this. I could have stayed home and baked cookies and had teas, but what I decided to do was fulfill my profession. Remember that? That's when I uh, become fami became familiar with Hillary Clinton. And by the way, uh, Bill Clinton, I gave him my Boys Nation pin. I need it back, buddy. Well, 72 years, whatever age you are. And number one, the most embarrassing thing that Hillary Clinton has done, she was originally a GOP or she was a Goldwater girl. She was a Republican, folks. Uh, that's right. 558-5500. Herden keeps, uh, keeps endorsing her opponent, Nicole Chavez. Uh, apparently, Herndon is sending mailers out with Nicole Chavez's face. That, that, she's an attractive lady, so uh, keep doing that. That's not going to work in your favor. Herndon. Uh, Patrick says, good public health. Let's say the taxpayers a lot of money. Some of the females out there keep their legs closed. Well, come on, man. It's family show. Uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham's statement, we can continue to support deaths of putting needles into brains and killing babies halfway out of the womb. Uh, Eddie, do we have the number of people that were there to visit with Kamala Harris and Michelle? I think it was about 150. Uh, that's what I was told. So um, from my source, I'm going on the clapping noise I heard when Keller announced his name, right? All right, uh, more stuff. Are reckless women who have unprotected sex the only women who have rights? Good question there. That uh, comes from a female. Thanks, Ann. Eddie, when I ran uh, the Santa Fe office, Ben Senior would come into the, all the time. Typical Politico liked him, though. I told him once I saw him on Telemundo, and he goes, Matt, you don't speak Spanish? You're looking at the hot chicas. I said guilty. He brought Junior in a couple of times. The apple fell very, very very far from the tree into a two-hole. I digress. Okay, there we go. Um, let's see. Eddie, we're proud that we kill babies in the city. Sick, horrible human beings. Uh, there you go. Uh, that's that's who we are. What? Wait, 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 Eddie. What is a woman? Uh, good one. Eddie, what do you think would have happened to anyone that would have protested Kamala at UNM, like the protest against all the conservative speakers that were interrupted by leftists? That's from my cousin, Josh. Thank you for... Uh, for texting in. It's good to hear you, Senator Sanchez. Good man. Um, let's see. What is a Chinese commie rat? I believe he's going to get another Chinese torture beating before too long. He's talking about uh, Mitch McConnell. Mitchie McCommie refunded $5 million in campaign funds for General Voldyke in New Hampshire because he just evened up in the polls with the commie rat up in New Hampshire. I don't know what I said there, but uh, there you go. It just I read them as they come in, folks. Let's just uh, let's just say that you guys gotta gotta keep it somewhat clean for me. Perfectly clear at uh, Jefferson Osuna today, Eddie. Eddie, I just voted. Why are there no Republican judges running? All Democrats. No wonder we keep letting criminals uh, go free. Uh, new enthusiastic participated actual leader replaced Pierce. That's what we need, Eddie. Back for hour three. You and me here in the Kiva.
Live 24 hours a day, Monday through Saturday. The Rock of Talk, AM 1600 KIVA, Albuquerque. Take a Rockoftalk.com, the only Madonna song I've ever really liked besides uh, Rain is that one. Take a bow. Actually considered her uh, third most popular song, I guess, in the Madonna-thon of all time. She has a ranking of her top 40 songs of, of all time. And uh, that one comes in at uh, number three. 550-5500 for your texts. Uh, those people who subscribe to rockoftalk.news, uh, you can go ahead and get all of your stuff read to the end of the show, along with all the news and everything that we have right here. Don't forget, I'm on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. Rudy, thanks for the traffic uh, today. You can also podcast us, uh, podcast me on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Audible. Uh, rockoftalk.tv, rockoftalk.com on the apps. I make the apps that they are for you. And then I put the newsletter together that goes along as a little compendium, a little a little almanac of all the things that are going on. My favorite book is literally the almanac. I just love to grab it there's a 2022 almanac i'm about uh, halfway through i gotta catch up but uh it's been a busy year a lot of good things happening good things on yvette harrell's front she is now leaning republican in cd2 she needs your help mark ronchetti with a point lead in the trafalgar folks be committed to helping either of those candidates also nicole chavez please try to help her uh greg cunningham uh try to help uh and i had one more candidate Oh, yeah, Paul Pacheco. Please try to help uh, Paul Pacheco as well. They're spending $150,000 to try and get uh, John Allen uh, to win, folks. So um, we need a new sheriff. I certainly hope it's Paul. I met him once uh, over at uh, BMC Tactical. Uh, Walter and the boys did a, a great send-off uh, for him. And uh, it's a good, good chicharrones. Chicharrones, chicharrones. Greasy, greasy, greasy. We're going to beat you. Easy, easy, easy. Sorry. I just, I had to do it. Sometimes we have these little cheers that come from my good friends up north in Mora up there. <laughs> All right, uh, folks, we got to uh, sort of scoot to the next uh, two, two topics very quickly. And uh, I told you it's about the economy and crime. I, I hate to just keep beating on this drum, but I think it's important. You've got to stay focused on that too uh, the entire time. Those are what's going to win it for us. And we need to win now more than ever. Harris Faulkner, she's one of my favorites. Just a, an absolutely exquisite woman, uh, top to bottom. I think she's the best thing at Fox. Did not get a chance to meet her the two times that I visited over at Fox. Hung out with Kilmeade and 
you know, Steve and everybody else that was there, but I did not meet Harris Faulkner. Unfortunately, I love all the little dressing rooms. You know, they have even, even for the guys, they have the dressing rooms with all the bulbs around the mirrors and stuff. They have all those kind of things. And uh, you saw, you know, them coming out. She looks like she's consistently in front of that. She is, uh, in my opinion, um, the most attractive person out of everybody that's there in Fox. And I think that that's one of the things that they got known for. But she's not attractive in the way that everybody thinks that that's a Fox girl, right? She's just got a draw in and you see her power with her, you know, her stature, her command, her understanding, and then her delivery as she uh, takes out a Democratic consultant over Biden's blame for the economy. Inflation rate was 1.4 when Biden inherited it from former President Trump. By November of that year, 21, it was 7.9. The war didn't start until February. It's not just the war. Okay. The war shouldn't even be a calculation then. It was cooking almost as high as... I love that. I love that what she said. Okay. And she put her hand in front. Just, I just want to watch her do that move again. Just putting, like, like she was putting her in her place, right? I just, I love that. The war shouldn't even be a calculation then. It was cooking almost as high as what we have now at wow. 8.1 or 2, which is a 40-year high, as it was in November of 2021. You, you cannot even fathom anything other than these policies getting us there because nothing else had taken hold yet. I'm just looking at economists who are experts in money, and I am not. To lockdowns. See, she, she waited long enough for the pause to sort of come in for the blather to come in from the democratic consultant from the woman in the pantsuit right and the woman in the the woman in the dress when did when did pantsuits become a thing like honestly ladies i mean wear the dresses please i mean get back to basics just make it work okay doesn't take away from any power if anything it gives you more power and there is a great example of that you can see that clip directly at rockoftalk.news but let's get to the substantive part shall we yes biden is responsible for the for for the economy He's responsible for what has happened. He's got to own it, as they say. Got to own it. And now we're finding that Joe Biden, as you heard at the top of the hour, and he's like, oh, we're trying to satisfy a European Union. We're also trying to satisfy, you know, the low gas prices that are needed right here at home. And we're going to tap in to the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Great article by William Duncan. He breaks it all out. So the reserve consists of four sites, Brian Mound, prepare for an education, folks, Big Hill, Bayou Choctaw, and West Hackberry, with a combined storage capacity of 714 million barrels of crude oil. It's the largest strategic oil reserve in the world. I didn't know that. Thank you, William. The OPEC oil embargo of 73 and the resultant oil cons- uh, crisis contributed to Western governments' recognition of how vulnerable their countries were to disruptions in Middle East oil. So here we are. They had the Energy Policy and Conservation Act under Gerald Ford on December 22nd, 1975. Construction of the reserve began in 77 and was completed in the early 90s. There you go. 60 caverns from 6 to 37 million barrels in capacity. A typical cavern holds 10 million barrels. You were learning something here, okay? 200 feet diameter and a height of 2,500 feet, all in there. Every cavern consists of either sweet or sour crude. There's no commingling of the two streams. Sweet has a maximum 0.5, blah, blah, blah. Uh, The other one has 0.5, blah, blah, blah. I don't know any of that. 
On July 21st, 77, the first shipment of approximately 412,000 barrels of Saudi Arabian light crude oil was delivered to the strategic oil preserves. We're tapping into the savings, folks. Here's his takeaway. The reserves depletion is a major concern because there's no assurance that will be refilled despite the Biden's administration to refill it when crude prices drop below 67 to 72. That will never happen again, he says. Biden is prepared to authorize significant additional sales in the coming months if conditions require. With the projections for a bad winter in the Northeast, can the Biden administration resist the urge to sell even more SPR oil? Even if the administration does not commence refill, the process will take years to replenish what we've already taken out. The highest fill rate SPR has achieved is 292,000 barrels per day. At that rate, it would take three years to refill the reserve to capacity at current rates, and that assumes perfect execution and no supply or logistical glitches. It is questionable if that rate can even be achieved because in the early years, the SPR was filling empty storage caverns. Now they'll be topping off caverns, a process that is logistically more logistically more difficult. So now you learn something. Now you understand that it cannot be achieved and it cannot be refilled. Biden is draining it for what? Well, for the midterm elections. Back in three. hit number one on the Billboard Pop Chart with the Hot Child in the City. It took 20 weeks from the time it entered the Hot 100 to reach number one longer than any other single before it. And, you know, want to, want to know why it's not a very good song. But, hey, it got him number one. I don't know. Is Nick still alive? Nick, are you there? Hey, Nick. Uh, anyway, uh, there he is. Uh, that's a one-hit wonder for sure. I can't think of uh, that I've ever even said Nick Gilder's name. But uh, that was a disco time. We were going through an ad- our adjustment phase from – 77 to 79. I don't even know what to call music at that time. I mean, disco is just over. It's, it's gotta be so bad that it's good. You have, you had to be high on something in order to get into that. Um, I should probably, uh, jump. Oh, my beef jerky arrived. Thank goodness. I was running, I was running low on my beef jerky. We're running low on my strategic jerky reserves. It's not good. 1979 uh, on this day, South Korean president Park Park, Chung Hee was shot to death. A uh, nice little Easter egg on that graphic. That's actually a picture of the man who shot him as who part of the Korean Central Intelligence Agency. Um, his wife had died five years before on an assassination attempt on President Park Chuck Lee. That, uh, that is the man who killed him at his last supper along with his accomplice. Uh, also, in 2001, this is Patriot Act Day, folks. And go and read it and weep. It is a complete and total abomination of something that was drawn up by George W. Bush. Where are the WMDs? What about the Patriot Act? We were coming after our own at that time. In my opinion, a terrible president. Uh, Trump hated him. I think still does. Uh, He signed the USA Patriot Act, giving authorities unprecedented ability to search. Let's just get rid of the uh, Fourth Amendment, shall we? 
to seize, detain, or eavesdrop in their pursuit of possible terrorists. Also in 2010, not uh, coincidentally, uh, <laughs> Iran began loading fuel into the core of its first nuclear power plant. Yep. And guess who was aiding them? That would be the Russians. Yeah, uh, Putin was helping them at that time. Uh, they were given the uranium so that they could go ahead and you know get it all done. Five years ago on this day, President Donald Trump declared opioid abuse a national public health emergency and announced uh, new steps to combat what he described as the worst drug crisis in U.S. history, folks. And at the request of the FBI and CIA, the president also blocked the release on this day of hundreds of records of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. I believe uh, that was all tabled until last year of October, but I believe they're going to be released in December of this year. Don't hold your breath, folks. Um, They were waiting for uh, 2,800 other files. There's supposedly like 15 million pages that uh, are all just supposed to be coming out. I don't think that it's ever going to happen. I think uh, what comes out first, the ingredients for the vaccinations, quote unquote vaccinations, or what actually happened back in 63. I'll be doing a very special broadcast on November the 22nd, having uh, recently visited Dallas and going to uh, the the plaza there, and they had every access. It it is an eerie, eerie place uh, to be sure. Uh, also, after a decade as manager that produced just one World Series title, Joe Girardi was fired by the New York Yankees. But also on this day, they three-peated back in 2000. Who was the last man at bat? Piazza against Mariano Rivera. They lost next year to my team, the Arizona Diamondbacks, in a post-9-11 uh, apocalyptic uh, tie, uh, type of World Series going down to the seventh game where they pop over the uh, shortstop. But the New York Yankees celebrated a year earlier as they became the first team in more than a quarter century to win three straight World Series championships, beating the New York Mets 4-2 in Game 5 of their Subway Series. And, you know, what is really cool about Joe Buck is he sounds the same back then as he does now. Uh, I was sorry to see him go. I think it was a, such a tradition to have him on anything. Uh, you know, you just have that voice that is there, becomes what you understand uh, everything going forward. So... The question I have for you on question uh, four today for all of you, I told you we have a lot to get to. I didn't think I was going to get to it all, but I I might accomplish that this afternoon. And uh, uh, first, our poll, majority of voters still back the U.S. to help Ukraine, but question billions being spent in the U.S. economy shrinks. Do you support the war for Ukraine against Russia? It's either yes, keep funding, or no, pull out diplomacy. We're going to get to that in our next segment. Go to rockoftalk.news, answer the question it's 100% right now, no pullout uh, diplomacy uh, right now. So inflation and unemployment are worse or better under the Democrats? Let's get into this uh, just a little bit, shall we? Because Fetterman last night claimed that the unemployment rate was the lowest in 50 years. Now, we know that is not true. It was actually lower under Donald Trump. Yes, totally false. Unemployment is very low. A lot of people out of the workforce. We lost three and a half million people. It's actually 3.35 million people is what we've lost. Okay. Total since pre-pandemic numbers. Donald Trump got us to that number with a uh, workforce participation participation rate. Excuse me. I'm I'm getting federized here as I'm saying fetter men, right? Uh, Somewhere around 63%, I believe. The most recent jobs report had unemployment at 3.5 in September, down from 3.6% in August. Unemployment was 3.6% in March, April, May, and June of this year before falling to 3.5 in July. Unemployment fell to 3.5 in September of 2019. 
That's right, folks. A year, the, the September to remember before uh, forever COVID, right? September of 2019 was a 50-year low then. It briefly ticked up and then fell back to 3.5% in January, February. In fact, it was at its lowest right before COVID. February, and they're like, no, we're not going to let you go back into the White House one more time. The total unemployment level of unemployment in September was 5.753 million. In February 2020, it just beat it by about 30,000. It was 5.717 million. So erroneous, erroneous on all counts. There it is. So do Democrats do the economy better or the Republicans do the economy better? Now, you have to go back and look. You have to take out the biased context. And by that, I mean you have to remove the current context, which is very politicized, and you have to look at a time when there's no presidential election. So skip 2008, skip 2012. These journalists turn into activists, 2016, 2020. You can't get any report. And I found a report in the Washington Post of all places, of all places. Okay, so you can now answer that question. And now the real question is, who would you vote for to go ahead and take back the economy? Do Dems run the economy better? Nope. According to the Washington Post, August 24th, 2014. Not much happening during that time. Right? It's August, summer. They're putting this stuff together. Not surprisingly, one of the report's authors is well-known Democratic economist who said, oh, Democrats do it better. Look, the gap, it's huge. Democrat presidents averaged 4.35% under Republicans, only 2.54%. Job stock and living standards all advanced on faster under Democrats. Alan Blinder is a hack. A former vice chairman of the Federal Reserve, now at Princeton University. Big lib. Mark Watson, also at Princeton. Scholar of economic statistics who describes himself as nonpartisan. Ha! According to the Washington Post, they didn't like this. Nice job there by... You know his name if you're an economist. Robert Samuelson. Oh, yeah, he probably wrote a textbook or two that you have in oh, your cadre of textbooks, if you've collected it. Uh, Bob Samuelson. So presidents didn't do it. Who did? Blender and Watson marched through economic studies. Their conclusion about half of the Democrats' advantage reflected, quote-unquote, good luck, favorable outside events or trends. That's right. The Democrats got lucky. They took advantage of easy living. Hard times, good men. You know, I don't know. What's the Can someone give me the saying? Good ten, good good men make hard times, or good men make good time. I don't know. Whatever it is, people are throwing that around all the time now. Here's what's helped the Democrats: global oil shocks, steep increases in prices, which depressed economic growth, were the largest because they hurt Republicans more than Democrats. They occurred in '73 with Nixon. And Gerald Ford, 79 with Jimmy Carter, but affecting Ronald Reagan's first term, right? I mean, he had to deal with all that inflation. It hasn't been that high in 40 years. Well, the uh, 40 years we're talking about is Ronnie Reagan. And 2008, George Bush. Statistically, they explain slightly more than a quarter of the Democratic-Republican gap in the growth in the GDP. Productivity efficiency was the next largest contributor. But presidents can't magically raise productivity on their own. It reflects too many forces. Research, improved schools, better management, entrepreneurs, they write. Although Bill Clinton benefited from the internet boom, he didn't invent it. Productivity gains occurred disproportionately under Democratic presidents and accounted for nearly a fifth of the gap report, Blinder and Wilson. Not uh, Democratic hacks after all. And finally, 
What didn't we have under President Donald Trump? War. Let me see your war face. We didn't see a war face under Donald Trump. He didn't have one. Didn't need one. War was the final factor. Military buildups for the Korean and Vietnam Wars were boosted for the growth of the United States and the Truman and the Johnson presidencies, respectively. Since the 1940s, inflation-adjusted defense spending rose 5.9% annually under Democrats and only 0.8% under Republicans. There you go. That explains all the gap. The buildups accounted for about an eighth of the Democratic advantage. As for the rest of the gap, they say it's a mystery, but the explanation is staring them right at the face. The parties have philosophical differences. This is all about supply side. To simplify slightly, Democrats focus on jobs. Republicans focus on inflation. What resulted in a cycle, which Democratic presidents tended to preside over expansions, usually worsening inflation, and Republicans suffered recessions usually dampening inflation. So there's your explanations. Republicans do it better, and the Democrats need the Republicans to come back and fix everything all over again. When we return, so we've answered all four questions, but when we return, we got to talk about nuclear war, folks. 100% of Democrats back support war with Ukraine. Is it definitely going to happen? Back. He didn't deserve you. Your precious heart is a precious heart. He didn't know what he had, I thank God. Oh, and it's gonna take just a little time, but you're gonna see that I was born to love you. What if I sound like country uh, in fact the two people singing carrie underwood she's she's gorgeous right she's ridiculously gorgeous and then uh keith urban keith urban happy birthday buddy it's uh 55 he's been married to uh, uh a woman uh equally as gorgeous and nicole kidman i mean really she's the fiery redhead of uh nicole kidman uh, there, there they are jumping around on on whatever that does not sound like country to me but uh, i guess that was a big hit for them Okay, so we got to get to nuclear war. I'm not going to wax on about Nicole Kidman and my taste in, in women. Uh, I don't think that's good here. <laughs> Let me talk for a moment. Um, you know, I'm going to just take a step back for a sec. Now, we're talking a lot about campaigns. We're talking about crime. We're talking about what impacts homelessness, you know, where blue cities versus red cities. We're talking about all of these things, right? This is what we've been mostly hitting on. And the elephant in the room is World War III and nuclear war. I mean, it's the biggest thing right now. And it's scary, right? I mean, the whole thing is just, you, you can't even believe that we're here at this point. And, and I'm, I'm at this point, just thinking about you know, watching the day before the day of the, the day after growing up. So let's go back a few years, okay? And let's talk about the news media at the time when Putin, that's right, folks, Putin and Zelensky met. And I think it's important that we put a little, like we want to try to get to, to diplomacy and, and resolve this thing peacefully as quickly as possible. Okay. Ukraine is totally outmatched all the 30 NATO countries. They want to go ahead and bring in 
Ukraine. We're fighting on behalf. We're, we're arming them. We, we've sent the 1st Airborne Division or the 101st Airborne Division over to Europe now. We're at the ready. I mean, we're, we're that close. And we're sitting here making mousing around with issues, in my opinion, that just aren't that important. Sorry, I, I got to let me get to this real quick. Sorry about that. Let me take a little, little delay uh, here. Okay. So it, it's, it's turning my stomach. I know it's turning. It's the thing that we all are thinking about, but where none of us seem to be talking about. So let's try to get to diplomacy for a second, shall we? And let's talk about the time two years ago when Russian president Vladimir Putin and Ukrainian president Vladimir Zelensky met for the first time at a summit in Paris. They were trying to end their five years of fighting in Ukraine. Okay. Here's the CBS Evening News report on this with Nora O'Donnell. Take a listen. Congress considers impeaching the president over his dealings with Ukraine. Today, Ukraine's president met in Paris for the first time with Russia's president, Vladimir Putin. Both sides are agreeing tonight to pursue a ceasefire in a war that's killed 14,000 people. Elizabeth Palmer reports tonight from Paris. In the company of veteran European politicians and Russia's ex-KGB spymaster president, Ukraine's leader, Volodymyr Zelensky, was clearly a novice. In fact, it was President Putin who reminded him to face the cameras. This is a high-profile summit, and as expected, there was no diplomatic breakthrough. But it was also political theater, everyone watching to see if Zelensky would blink in the face of Russian pressure. Relations have been poisonous since Russia seized the Ukrainian territory of Crimea in 2014, and then sent weapons to Ukrainian separatists. The U.S. sided with Kiev against Moscow and sent military aid to the Ukrainian army, the very aid that's now central in the impeachment hearings. Ultimately, the Kremlin wants to expand its influence in Ukraine, but crowds of angry Ukrainians have made it crystal clear they won't have it. President Zelensky came here to Paris vowing that he would face down Russia, but he sure could have used some visible support from his most powerful ally, the United States. However, fallout from that now notorious phone call left him looking very much alone. Nora? That's why it matters, Liz. Thank you. All right. So a couple of quick takeaways on that. As you heard, this was the reason because of the aid that was being sent by President Trump to Vladimir Zelensky to help the separatists, right? sort of put all of this together was one of the reasons they were looking at impeaching Donald Trump. If Donald Trump looked at left over his shoulder, they would have probably uh, drafted up some sort of impeachment papers against him, right? I think it was impeached twice. Attempted third time, I think it was coming in. Just ridiculousness, okay? But the big takeaway is a novice. Who is Vladimir Zelensky? What's he doing? Why is he puffing his chest? Why does he feel so incredibly confident? Why does he feel so incredibly confident that he can pump as much money as he wants out of the United States? Okay. And this is the dangerous part. This is the dangerous game that is being run right now. If Ukraine joins NATO, which Vladimir Zelensky, that's the only move he knows. He looked like a very different person. Didn't have the beard. Didn't look all scruffy. Okay. This article was from Reuters just a few days ago. Out of London, if Ukraine is admitted into U.S.-led NATO military alliance, conflict in Ukraine would be guaranteed to escalate into World War III, according to the Russian Security Council. It's going to happen. They're going to bring the Ukraine into NATO. 
and Vladimir Zelensky is going to keep up the pressure to keep warring. He now has secured the confidence of the progressives and leveraging this midterm election to get the progressives like Ilan Omar and uh, Jalapia, I think is her name. I hope I got that correct. Okay. And, and, and I posted all the links to all this. They were looking for diplomacy. That's what we were looking for, right? Like we've got to get to diplomacy very quickly. I don't know that Donald Trump knew what he was necessarily doing at that particular time. I'm not, not questioning the man as I just don't know that he knew that it was going to get to this particular point. Majority of voters back us help to help Ukraine, but they question the more than a hundred billion dollars being spent as the U S economy shrinks to support the war for Ukraine against Russia. 100% says no pull out diplomacy. Don't fuel this anymore. After all, after all, they're, they're back. back. It, uh, it, it, we're not going in that direction anymore. Vladimir Putin formally proclaimed the annexation up to 20% of Ukraine on September 30th. Okay. Zelensky announced a bid for to fast track membership into NATO. We are headed into world war three. If this happens, full NATO membership for Ukraine is far off because all of the alliances, 30 members would have to give their consent. Now, I said something to you, and let's see if we can put two and two together. When I read the news at the end of the broadcast yesterday, and it was from the Italian, she's backing the Ukraine. That's right. All they need is Italy to go ahead and say, give their consent to the Ukraine to join NATO, and we are there. The deputy to the Security Council Secretary Nikolai Petrushev a powerful ally for Putin said he felt Ukraine's application was propaganda as the West understood the consequences of the Ukrainian membership of NATO. The suicidal nature of such a step is understood by NATO members themselves. Okay. That was last week. A lot has gone on since that time, including this. The best analysis in the business. And we have more breaking news now from Capitol Hill, where progressive Democrats have now sharply changed course on a key foreign policy issue, Ukraine. NBC Capitol Hill correspondent Ryan Noble is joining us. Ryan, there had been pushback overnight from that letter that they put out, a letter on Ukraine suggesting direct talks with Russia and the U.S., undercutting the U.S. position that Ukraine and Zelensky has to be the one to determine when to compromise and when to meet with Russia, which hasn't been serious. Now what's happened? Well, Andrea, basically, uh, these 30 members of Congress that had originally signed on to this letter encouraging diplomacy as it relates to the situation uh, with Russia and Ukraine are now taking it all back. They have withdrawn this letter that they sent to President Biden, which is a pretty dramatic step, something you don't often see here on Capitol Hill. And they're basically blaming it on a staff error. Uh, this is uh, Representative Pramila Jayapal of Washington. She, of course, the chair of the Progressive Caucus, said in a statement today that this was a letter that was drafted over the summer. This is when the situation uh, in Ukraine was much different than it is today. Uh, and that through uh, some miscommunication between members of her staff and members of swift criticism, particularly from her fellow Democrats uh, and even those that had signed on to this letter. For instance, uh, Representative Ilan Omar of Minnesota uh, tweeting today uh, that this was something that they were not even informed of, that uh, this letter was going to be uh, sent out yesterday. Also, Representative Sarah Jacobs of California echoing those same comments, uh, saying that she was willing to sign on to the letter in the summer and that she would not sign on to it today. And of course, Andrea, this is a key 
political issue for Democrats. Uh, they uh, put some pretty harsh criticism on the House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy for suggesting uh, that should the Republicans win back the majority here in the next several weeks, that uh, the uh, the flow of money from the United States to Ukraine in support of their efforts in defending their country may not be guaranteed. Uh, and Democrats have been very critical of that. So, of course, uh, this letter that uh, suggested that. All right, let's stop there. So what's at stake in this election? It's a heck of a lot more than Republicans and Democrats in Congress. What's at stake in this election is World War III. The progressives, the peaceful progressives just jumped on board. 100% of the Democrats are on board to go ahead and keep arming and giving money to the Ukrainians. To Ukraine, excuse me, to the Ukrainians. Ukrainians. Zelensky is fast-tracking NATO. Russia has called this suicidal. You have now 100% committal, including the new Italian PM, who is probably going to jump in and say, admit Ukraine, unless clear has prevailed. That's where we are. We'll talk more about that and do the news and read your text and your response at Rock Up Talk to News when we return. So slashed and torn
41 years ago today, that song was created in uh, Switzerland in a small town in uh, Switzerland. A nice little Easter egg, Montreux, Switzerland, where David Bowie and the band Queen live pretty close to uh, one another. And they did an all-night session, very organic, and they assembled all that. David Bowie took it over, and uh, Queen surrendered uh, all the uh, creative uh, juices, if you will, to allow Bowie to execute the rest of that and you almost think you know maybe they were seeing something that was going to happen as many of these sensitive artists uh, often times do 550 5500 uh, here in the kiva i will get to absolutely everything uh, i said that i would today including everything uh uh including the poll question here's the poll question for the day I had to move past hillary majority of voters still back us help to back you uh, back us help to ukraine but question billions being spent as U.S. economy shrinks. Do you support the war for Ukraine against Russia? 100% say no. Pull out diplomacy. It's what we need. It's what's got to happen. And the progressives went in the opposite direction. You have to wonder what they might be listening to, what they're paying attention to. And NPR writing about this this morning, Pramila Jayapal, sorry for messing up that name, and fellow members of the House Progressive Caucus hold a news conference ahead of the vote on the Inflation Reduction Reduction Act in that particular uh, picture that's there. Uh, Congresswoman Sarah Jacobs, timing and diplomacy and everything. I signed the letter on June 30th, but a lot has changed since then. I wouldn't sign it today. Why? What are they thinking of? Are they thinking about the midterm elections and staying unified? Do they know something that we don't? I mean, the economy is about to break. you got World War about to break out. Uh, Ukraine trying to, it, it, and Russia has warned you, if Ukraine joins NATO, the birds are going to fly. They're in the air, no doubt about it. Not a man to be messing around with a country that uh, spans nine time zones, folks. And right now they're doing their best to gaslight the American people. Ukraine's atomic energy agency says Russia likely preparing a nuclear terror act. The nuclear Terror Act will come from our side before it comes from them. This from the Washington Times. Ukraine state nuclear energy company says it appears that Russia is preparing to stage a terrorist act. How would they know this? What happened to Nord Stream 2? How about that? The occupied Zaporizhia power plant using radioactive waste and nuclear materials. Hmm. Seems to be projecting that on the Russians. So something's going to happen. They're going to make it happen. Energo Adam, 
which operates Ukraine's four nuclear power plants, said this week that Russian troops have carried out construction projects in Zaporizhia and refused to allow Ukrainian staff or observers from the UN's International Atomic Energy Agency at the sites. Ernag Adam, officials said 174 containers of spent nuclear fuel are stored at the site. The destruction of these containers as a result of the detonation will lead to the radiation accident and contamination of several hundred square kilometers of the surrounding area, the agency said. For even greater intimidation of the world, the Russians published a fake map of the danger of radiation contamination with the epicenter precisely at Zaporizhia, and Energodom said on Telegram. They're saying that they're just going to go ahead and just dump a bunch of nuclear energy out. Today in PBS, they put it out. I told you you were going to get some PBS, some, some NPR. Someone's asking me, why are you reading on Andrea Mitchell? Because they're acknowledging, they're telegraphing what they're going to do. You have to pay attention to the other side, okay? They're, they're, they're saying that this is unprecedented. Even the liberal news agencies, Andrea Mitchell, she's married, of course, to uh, Alan Greenspan. Alan is still taking baths, still meditating, having his best thoughts. A group of progressive Democrats in Congress said today that it had retracted a letter to the White House urging Joe Biden to engage in direct diplomatic talks with Russia. In a statement, the chair of the Progressive Caucus of the caucus was withdrawing the letter it sent less than 24 hours prior. I have a, a, a picture of the letter, and you have it. The back and forth spotlighted the fragile nature of Biden's relationship with the progressive wing of his party raising stark questions about their ability to work together not only in Ukraine funding, which seems secure now that they've retracted, but on more pressing issues that are top priorities for liberal. The Democrats are going down together on this and taking the rest of the country with them. Here's the letter. I'll read a couple of the highlights. We write with appreciation for your commitment to Ukraine's legitimate struggle against Russia's war of aggression. Your support for the self-defense of an independent, sovereign, and democratic state has been supported by Congress, including through various appropriations of military, economic, humanitarian aid in furtherance of this cause. Your administration's policy was critical to enable the Ukrainian people, through their courageous fighting and heroic sacrifices, to deal in historic military defeat to Russia, forcing Russia to dramatically scale back the stated goals of their invasion. They pulled back. It's getting cold. And they're going to start to pull back because they don't want the casualties of what they've already stepped over in creating a nuclear war. You achieve this while maintaining it's imperative to avoid direct military conflict with Russia. What do you mean? We have exactly that, which would lead to World War III, something we must strive to prevent. The risk of nuclear weapons being used has been estimated to be higher now than at any time since the height of Cold War. Given the catastrophic possibilities of nuclear escalation and miscalculation, which only increase the longer this war continues, we agree with your goal of avoiding direct military conflict as an overriding national security priority. In May, Zelensky, despite deadlock negotiation, reiterated that war will only definitely end through diplomacy and had previously explained that any mentally healthy person always chooses the diplomatic path because he or she knows even if it is difficult, it can prevent the loss of thousands tens of thousands, and maybe even millions of lives. In conclusion, we urge you to make vigorous diplomatic efforts to support of a negotiated settlement and ceasefire, engage in direct talks with Russia, explore prospects for a new European security arrangement acceptable to all parties that will allow for sovereign and independent Ukraine and in coordination with Ukrainian partners, seek a rapid end to the conflict, reiterate its goal as America's chief priority. They pulled us now off the table. That no longer exists. You think they got a talking to? You said we're going to be unified. You think that they're going to go ahead and step things up before the election? Oh, I almost guarantee it. There's so much at stake for these people and what they want to do that I wouldn't put it past them to do the unthinkable. 
550-5500. That's 550-5500. Our questions of the day. Two weeks before the election, do the Dems keep the Senate? Uh, we'll get to all of, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, that riff the rapper stole. Uh, that's from Under Pressure. Eddie, do you remember the video pressure on MTV? It was so cool and artistic for the day. You saw it just now at uh, rockertalk.tv. There's strategic oil reserves and primarily used for military in case of war. Oh, they don't want me to say that. Um, sorry, Pat. Uh, Eddie, we definitely want Ukraine's fighting spirit with NATO, USA, and not with Russia. Stop. Stop. It's ridiculous. There is no side to this. There, we don't even know where Ukraine is. We shouldn't even be contributing anything to the Ukrainians. They got themselves in this mess. We're paying for all of it. Are you, why are you listening to liberal Andrea Mitchell? I don't look at, at, at labels. I told you exactly why. All democratic policies lead to reduction of world population and American power. What better than World War III with no reserve resources and forces fractured over woke policies? At home. Nailed it, Melvin. Robert, for what it's worth answering your question, Neil Gilder is still alive. Thank you. It is worth something. Glad, glad to hear he is still alive. Let's uh, hit the top of the hour news ID, uh, if we could, just for a second. Then I'll bring it back here and I'll give you all the news. Live 24 hours a day, Monday through Saturday. The Rock of Talk, AM 1600 KIVA, Albuquerque. All right, overtime here in the Kiva. Eddie, we should all be ready for the big distraction. Yep, the October surprise. Uh, um, Amazon drivers uh, reaching out to me. But, you know, okay, that's cool. All right, so uh, all of our wonderful contributors uh, to rockoftalk.news, I appreciate what you guys are doing. And rockoftalk.chat. Uh, what is the name of the app? Oh yeah, gosh, I got. I, I had my my phone totally scraped. I have like none of my tech, nothing. It's just totally gone. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So <clears throat> we have these wonderful contributors uh, who are here. Steve Chavez, happy birthday, Hillary! Finally, a non photoshopped photo. The indivisible Hillary was praising yesterday's Rock of Talk show as indivisible.org, a very radical group of '60s hippies who aided and abetted the Viet Cong, spit on our soldiers, called by baby killers with their brainwashed children and grandchildren continuing their mission, and still aiding and abetting our enemies. Spitting on our troops, now adding pigs in a blanket, for I am like bacon. Indivisible is only a part of the communist cabal with ACLU as their funding arm. MLG donated her inauguration proceeds to ACLU, and they in turn will fund her using individual members donating the maximum. Her cash is from outside New Mexico. I wonder how much Planned Parenthood gave her for a gubernatorial election. I attended two meetings by Indivisible Albuquerque, formerly Indivisible Knob Hill, at the request of a man who protested there every Monday. He begged me to go, so I finally went. It was a 60s hippies reunion. They signed up several sheets for several groups, but the one was lady personally came to me to sign up for was for poll workers. When she said that, that's how I knew these were these normal, innocent-looking old people ran the locations, and since they have access to the voter rolls, they can and do vote for people that haven't voted in years, elderly and most likely aren't going to vote. My story is long, but someone registered my 12-year-old son as a Democrat for the 2008 election. He was getting calls, me pretending it was him, and recorded every one. Then they started calling for Abran, Anita, Susan, and then in 2012 for my mother, who has never lived in Albuquerque and who died in 2009. I was fuming since how did they tie her to my name and phone number? Did whoever vote for these people and my son for 2012, they called for Abran. I recorded and still have the tape the day before the election. They asked if I knew my polling location if I needed a ride. I ended up saying I didn't have time and asked, can I send my brother to vote for me? The young lady said I could. She put me on hold and asked an older lady who said the same. The young lady came back on and said that he could vote for me. For 2016, they were calling for these people again. But this time I said he and she were going to vote for Trump and the Republicans. 
One old lady said that I was a traitor to our race, which was the same thing as Ana Canales, head of the Bernalillo County Democratic Party, said of Susana Martinez. She's a traitor to her race for even being a Republican, much less speaking at the convention, she said of her. In the journal, and still nothing happened to the blatant racist. There's a friend who signed up to work in the polls in Corrales. I looked up Indivisible, and they have one in Rio Rancho, Corrales, and Bernalillo. There are 600 members. I'm from Socorro, so I looked them up years ago, and the hardcore Democrats are Indivisible. My sister lives there, and she asked me, and some of the poll workers were members of Indivisible. So, with all that evidence, my suspicion is that's how they cheat. But to them, they think they are doing the patriotic duty, especially during the 2020, to get Trump out. They also did their patriotic duty by aiding and abetting the Viet Cong. Wow, that's good. All right, uh, first, Ban. Uh, she checks in with answers to our questions. And Ban, thank you. Uh, two weeks before the election, do the Dems keep the Senate? Yes, she says. They keep the Senate and take back the House. Whoa. <laughs> she is not optimistic. She wants. She's, she's saying the Dem, Dems win. Is homelessness directly related to higher violent crime? I believe it has something to do with it. So does the free and open border with Wuhan Grisham and Sloppy Joe has continued to perpetuate. Drugs and the ability for the homeless to go and stay wherever they want is a real problem. I'm so sick of our spineless mayor. He has done nothing to stop slow crime down. For Democrats, is my body, my choice, good for abortions, but not vaccinations? You'll never win that argument, Eddie. They have one track mind and no in intelligent information can get through their cortex. <laughs> Inflation and unemployment are worse or better under Dems? Much worse. Go back and look through history as well, usually tied to Democrats' overspending. 100% of Dems back support war with Ukraine. Is WW3 definite? I hope not, Eddie. I would hate if Ukraine uses a dirty bomb and then blames Russia. It will then be all over for everyone. Pray for the loss. The end is near. Okay. Wow. A lot to deal with there, right? All right. Steve Chavez checks in. Two weeks before the election, did the Dems keep the Senate? Where's the October surprise? Ours will win unless the turtle Mitch McConnell opens his big mouth again, like he did with the two Democratic Georgia senators. Now he's being censured by Alaska Republicans for siding with Murkowski. Republicans need to put the turtle in his shell till after the election. Yep, they did that with Trump, so it's only right. Uh, is homelessness directly related to higher violent crime? An APD report in 2012 printed in the journal, up to $300,000 worth of heroin is sold every day in Albuquerque. That was 10 years ago. Conrad Keller admitted in the mayoral debate that Eddie Aragon whipped both their asses, that the homeless numbers went from 2,000 to the current 5,000 during his watch. What happened to the Manny allegation of Keller cheating? Why did Keller let that go, and how did Manny get that info? Where do they get their money to buy heroin, meth, crack, fentanyl, crime? Good, good answer. Three, for Democrats, is my body my choice good for abortions but not vax? Why don't women say my choice is hell no? I'm not on birth control and you don't have a condom, therefore my body says legs closed. Imagine if MLG spent $10 million on free birth control methods and free condoms, which would prevent most abortions. Abortions are outdated considering the investment in birth control methods. Four, inflation and unemployment are worse or better under the Democrats. Worse, but so many people are dependent on Democrats for the jobs they create and force people to then endlessly vote for them and the nonstop freebies. And five, 100% of Democrats back support war with Ukraine is World War III definite. The only power that can knock the dam down is the water behind it. The war is unpopular in Russia. Protests, people fleeing now that Putin ordered men to sign up regardless of age in many cases. Soldiers are deserting and some not fighting. There's hunger and all will get worse for the winter. Eventually someone will take to Putin as they see people, power, and the water behind the dam. Good stuff. Uh, he, he, he noticed, uh, Steve noticed my, my picture 
So I use the picture every single day as the screensaver in between breaks. And today is the Loretta Chapel. It's also at the very top of the newsletter at rockoftalk.news and uh, rockoftalk.chat. Uh, just ranting, Loretta Chapel on the staircase. I played with the orchestra of Santa Fe, later named Santa Fe Pro Musica for 19 years. Small ensembles were performed at the Loretta Chapel. I performed several times, and the recording engineer had his equipment on the loft. So I walked on the staircase, no shoes allowed, every day we were there. Then, while watching TV, I noticed another spiral staircase in a plantation in Atlanta. Looked the same, as in no supports. Then, while visiting Mexico City, I saw one inside a museum and going to an upstairs room. No one was around, didn't see cameras. So I crossed the rope to inspect it. Two months later, back at Loretto, same style. Then came the research. The timing was correct, including the one in Atlanta. Years ago, I told one of the main people in Loretto that they dismissed it right away, saying the wood from Loretto staircase is not of this earth. And I thought I was crazy. I told another it would seem like they would investigate my claim and where the other two were. But in the end, they couldn't let the miraculous staircase story be ruined. <laughs> end of the rant. I guess the uh, miraculous uh, staircase, not so miraculous in Steve's eyes. Um, but there it is. It is uh, right there. 550, 5500. Uh, did I read all of your text? I believe I did. Did I got to all of them? Yes, I did. Okay. Why don't we, we should all be ready for the big distraction. Let's uh, jump into it, shall we? The news of the day and then straight into uh, Bill O'Reilly. Uh, folks, away we go. In our local news here in New Mexico, the attorney general says the state has reached a proposed settlement with Texas and Colorado in a years-long battle over managing one of the longest rivers in North America. The agreement would need court approval and attorneys for the federal government and two irrigation districts are objecting. The case has been pending for nearly a decade before the U.S. Supreme Court, Texas sued, claiming groundwater pumping in southern New Mexico reduced river flows. New Mexico argued it has been shortened, shorted on its share of the river. Colorado also has rights on the river. The terms of the proposed deal remain confidential. It's your water. There's a picture of the Rio Grande uh, from a New York Times article uh, titled, it's an Easter egg on the graphic, The Rio Grande is Dying. Does anybody care? Didn't seem like they have. I remember swimming in the Rio Grande uh, as a boy. Out of Albuquerque, environmental group is suing U.S. wildlife managers, saying have failed to protect the rare grouse found in one of the country's most prolific areas for oil and gas development. Here we go. A lawsuit filed Tuesday says the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is nearly five months late in releasing a final rule outlining protections for the lesser prairie chicken. Fish and Wildlife Service in 2021 proposed adding a Texas and New Mexico population to the endangered species list and a separate population found elsewhere in Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Colorado to the threatened list. There you go. All the places where the oil is. The Center for Biological Diversity claims decades of stalling by the government is threatening the bird. The grouse. An ugly bird. Out of Peach Springs, Arizona, rescuers used ropes and harnesses to hope, hoist five people to safety after an elevator at the National Tourist Attraction broke down. 21 stories underground. Woo! Coconino County Sheriff's officials say six people had taken a tour of the Grand Canyon Caverns in Arizona on Sunday and were preparing to return above ground. When they discovered the lift wasn't working, a man in the group was able to climb the emergency staircase to the surface and get help. Now, five other group members stayed overnight at a hotel suite at the bottom of the cavern while repair technicians worked on the elevator. Officials resorted to the rope rescue after the elevator repair was unsuccessful. Out of Los Angeles, President Joe Biden's visit to California and Oregon Comes this week uh, close to Election Day and shows how Democrats are calling in reinforcements in states that are typically afterthoughts for the party. Republicans are trying to retake control of the House. Won't happen after a strong showing on November 8th could mean holding seats in California, perhaps flipping ones in Oregon even. Won't be easy in those two Democratic strongholds. Three Los Angeles area House seats are held by Republicans, but redrawn political lines have transformed those districts in a territory that backed Biden over Donald Trump into 2020. 
The same dynamic is in play in the section farther north in the Central Valley. Nancy Pelosi's days are numbered. How do San Francisco, California regulators have proposed fining Pacific Gas and Electric, PG&E, more than $155 million for the sparking of the 2020 wildfire in Northern California. The Zog Fire in Shasta County destroyed 200 homes, killed four people. California Public Utilities Commission said in its proposed order Tuesday that PG&E failed to remove two failing trees flagged for removal. One fell into distribution line and started the fire. PG&E says in a statement that it is reviewing the proposed order. It can either comply or request a hearing. PG&E has pleaded not guilty to four counts of involuntary manslaughter charged by the Shasta County District Attorney's Office. Well, across the country, this great country, out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Democratic John Fetterman struggled to explain his positions and stuttered throughout a highly anticipated debate against Republican Dr. Mehmet Oz as they buy for a crucial U.S. Senate seat. In the opening minutes of the Tuesday's debate, Fetterman addressed the stroke he suffered five months ago. Fetterman said it knocked him down, but he's going to keep coming back up. Oz ignored Fetterman's health challenges, focusing on Fetterman's policies on immigration and crime and his support for President Joe Biden. The race represents the best chance for Democrats to flip a Republican-held Senate seat this year. <laughs> Out of Michigan, Michigan uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer accused Republican challenger Tudor Dixon on Tuesday of Stoking violence and uh, pushing conspiracy theories meant to divide people. Dixon says voters, by the way, Dixon's now in the lead, says voters have felt the pain of the Democrats' failures and you deserve better. The two candidates met Tuesday for the final debate before the November election in the battleground state. Dixon is a former businesswoman and a conservative commentator endorsed by former President Donald Trump. She's hoping the late surge of support will help her unseat first-term incumbent Democrat who has had a multi-million dollar fundraising advantage. They criticize each other on the economy, school safety, abortion, and other issues. Out of Indiana, Air Force veteran Jennifer Ruth Green is eyeing an upset in Indiana U.S. district seat that has been democratically controlled for nearly a century. Green is vying to be the second ever black Republican woman in the House. She epitomizes the push by national Republicans to encourage congressional runs by women, people of color, and military veterans. The GOP says it has broken party records for diversity in its House incumbents and candidates in the next month's election. A Democrats say the Slate of incumbents and candidates is far more diverse. They criticize some prominent House Republicans for advancing racist political themes. Green is seeking to unseat Democratic Representative Frank Mervan. Out of Washington, nearly 400 school districts received grants totaling about a billion to purchase 2,500 clean school buses under a new federal program. Yep. A Biden administration is making the appointments available as part of the broader effort to accelerate the transition to zero emission vehicles and reduce air pollution near schools and communities. Now, Vice President Kamala Harris and EPA Administrator Michael Regan is set to announce the grant awards Wednesday in Seattle. The new primarily electric school buses are intended to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, save money, and better protect children's health. Well, we know all of that is all false. Out of New York, if you ask Nielsen Company, 7.8 million people watched last Thursday's football game between Nolans and Arizona Cardinals, most streaming it on Amazon Prime. But if you ask Amazon, they'll tell you 8.9 million were actually watching. Wow, they can track it. For each game this fall, Amazon has publicly contradicted Nielsen, which has monopolized the business of estimating the audience size of people, watching programs, and listening to radio for decades. Dispute has implications for the future of advertising, becomes a more significant part of streaming, and technology improves. Nielsen numbers have long been the industry's currency, but will that always be the case? We track. How do we track? Online. Uh, let's see. Current number of people online. Multiplied. I wish Rudy was here so I could multiply that by. I have about uh, 3,600 people that are currently listening based upon the ratio of internet to uh, radio listeners. All right. Worldwire 
uh, here in the uh, Kiva, our final uh, little segment. Don't forget to subscribe directly at rockoftalk.news, rockoftalk.chat. You get all of that, a seven-day free trial. Pretty cool, folks. I put a lot of work in, and uh, it's much better than it's ever been, and you got everything that you need. Out of Moscow, the Kremlin has re- re- reiterated that any discussions about a possible swap involving U.S. basketball star Brittany Griner serving a nine-year prison sentence in Russia for drug possession must be strictly confidential. Don't say anything. We can't talk about Bill Richardson going to Russia. I guess we can't. The eight-time All-Star Center with the WNBA Phoenix Mercury and two-time Olympic gold medals was convicted August 4th after police said they found vape canisters containing cannabis oil in her luggage in Moscow's airport. Russian court has rejected Griner's appeal, asked if Griner could be freed as part of a prisoner swap with Washington. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said Wednesday, we will always say that any contacts about possible exchanges can only be conducted in silence under a tight lid on any investigation and information. Out of Beijing, the Chinese city of Shanghai has started administering an inhalable, yes, folks, inhalable COVID-19 vaccine. There you go. Oral. What appears to be the world's first oral vaccine. The vaccine, a mist that is sucked through the mouth, is being offered for free as a booster dose for previously vaccinated people. Great. (sighs) According to an announcement posted on an official city social media account in Shanghai, needle-free vaccines may persuade people who don't like getting a shot to be vaccinated and help expand immunization in poor countries because they are easier to administer. China doesn't have a vaccine mandate, but wants... <laughs> what? But, uh, but we do, but wants more people to get booster shots before it relaxes strict pandemic restrictions that are holding back the economy and are increasingly out of sync with the rest of the world. Out of Paris, French President Emmanuel Macron is meeting in Paris with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz amid divergences between the neighborhoods, uh, the neighbors and critical European allies over the EU strategy, defense and economic policies. On Wednesday, Macron and Scholz were having a working lunch at the Elise Presidential Palace. Uh, Elise, I hope I said that right. Elise, right? Initially, a French-German joint cabinet meeting was scheduled that day. However, it has been postponed for January with both Paris and Berlin arguing they still have work to reach a consensus on some bilateral issues. French-German divergences are not unusual as both countries, the Eurozone's biggest economies, are used to having different stances on a series of topics, including defense and energy. Out of Frankfurt, Europe's sky-high natural price, gas prices have fallen thanks to unseasonably warm weather and efforts to fill storage ahead of winter. Where are they getting that from? The US and A. Prices have dropped to their lowest level since June. Electricity is cheaper, lower by Industry, lower use by industry has helped reduce the demand for fuel. But there are uncertainties ahead, including how cold the weather gets, whether people turn down their thermostats, demand from Asia, and whether Russia's war in Ukraine delivers more disruption. European officials are trying to meet the crisis by limiting price swaps and buying gas together to avoid bidding against each other. And finally, out of Tokyo, officials from the United States and its Asian allies, Japan and South Korea, suspect North Korea is preparing for a nuclear test once again. Vice President Foreign Ministers from three countries said Wednesday their joint response would be decisive. South Koreans say three countries are bolstering their defense cooperation to deter the growing possibility of North Korea using a nuclear weapon. The meeting of the three vice foreign ministers underscores an improvement in complex ties between Tokyo and Seoul. A year ago in Washington, Japan and South Korean vice ministers declined to participate in a joint news conference after their talk. All right, get uh, the show video of yesterday's Rock of Talk. As always, you can check out the entire schedule uh, for the Rock of Talk uh, each and every day. You grab that here in the Kiva. 
And don't forget to subscribe at rockoftalk.news and rockoftalk.chat. It's been a fun one, folks. Sorry for going over, but thanks for hanging out in overtime with me. We'll see you bright and early tomorrow in the Kiva. Bill O'Reilly is live now.